Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a Meh Tuesday. It is not a Meh Tuesday. It's a great Tuesday on 101 ESPN. It is great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Are you guys not hearing yourselves? Do we need to uh, turn our headphones up? It might be my... Uh, uh, no, it's me. I got that problem too. Brooke, can, can you hear, you, you can hear us? Hear. Well, I can't oh, hear you. Now I can't. Yeah, I can't. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, Matthew, let's see if we can fix that headphone Audio situation. engineer. <laughs> it's time <laughs> to get to work. It's 7 o'clock. <laughs> if there's something that says headphones there... See if we can get that dial turned up. I hear the music. Uh, it's, it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Great to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to Stan McNeil of Cardinals Magazine at the bottom of this hour. Darren Pang will join us at 8.30, and we'll also have our weekly visit with our friend Mike Claiborne. How's everyone this morning? Good. Doing well, despite the fact that I have to take my headphones off to talk to you, sir. I don't know what's going on. Where are our... Elite audio engineer will get it figured out sooner rather than later. I can hear the music, but I, yeah. I can't hear us. <laughs> I thought maybe, you know, my, my headphone jack, sometimes it uh, doesn't work properly. So, oh, I don't you know, know what? Something just happened. Oh, oh, let's see. What do we have here? Let's try it. Oh, there oh. we go. See, I told you our elite audio engineer would figure it out. What was the magic button, Matthew? Matthew's with us. Matthew Rocky, our, our audio engineer. Uh, a button that actually doesn't usually need to be pressed, which makes me think there's something else here that's going on and I have to figure out. Okay. Oh. Well, we don't have that not on air sign blinking, so <laughs> good morning, everyone. Uh, on this uh, morning after the Cardinals fell to the Cincinnati Reds, 6-5 to five on this morning after... The Los Angeles Lakers were eliminated from the playoffs 113-111 by Stan Kroenke's Denver Nuggets. And on this morning after LeBron James said he's going to consider retiring after this season. Yeah, that was an emotional moment. You you just lost. Oh, you, you didn't win a game. You were you had two opportunities at the basket. You didn't make either one of them. That's frustration. That's, you know, just kind of feeling down in the moment. Give them a couple of days, give them a week. Go go out the country, go with your family and rest. Get and a banana be, boat. Get on a banana get boat. A banana. Carmelo is retired. <laughs> Chris Paul is close. Dwayne Wade is retired. You know, the, the banana boat crew can, can go hang out and, and have a good time. They got plenty of time now. And objectively speaking, Kerry, you watch every game. 
Can LeBron James win another championship? I don't think so. I don't and, and and the the interesting thing that I always find about LeBron James fans, he's forty years old and he's doing this, and then when they lose, he's forty years old. What do you expect? <laughs> like, come on, man! Like, like it, it's so it's so strange yeah. to me. You yeah. can't have you can't have it both ways. No. So he's he's played he played very well this series, but you can just tell. I, I said it about Chris Paul last year. You can see the fatigue setting in when players get yeah. older in sports. And you saw Chris Paul just kind of tail off in that series last year, and, and LeBron James did the same thing. You get 31 points in the first half, mm-hmm. and it just dwindles down. He has no stamina, no stamina, no in, uh, energy to finish the game, and, and you Mentality. saw what happened. It, it, yeah, well, that helps. Mentality mm-hmm. does help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Free testosterone and all of those things get you right. Wow. <laughs> Check them that out. Was... MoTUSA.com today. <laughs> That was hey, that was a free one. You might need to get like a partial payment for that one, CD. You can't give out all that stuff for free. Can't give that out for free. Do you think that that adds more to the case too that maybe you should be playing more games during the regular season so you can build up more endurance? I think the load management has pretty much backfired, in my opinion. I I don't know what the 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 ideal the ideology is behind it. I understand they think that taking rest, but there is something to be said about building up that stamina and and working your way through it. I don't know if it matters for him. I mean, once you get to a certain age, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do. It's playoff. It's one thing to play in the regular season. Playoff intensity is so different because the schedule's always the same. You're always playing every other night. But, man, the, the, the intensity is so different in the playoffs because you're playing every single minute you play, you have to play hard. And yeah. you go to NBA games, it's amazing how much jogging takes place for the first three and a half quarters. But that doesn't happen at, at playoff time. It's a, it's a different game. Cardinals fell last night 6-5 in 10 to the Reds. Reds had a 2 nothing lead. They'd scored uh, a couple of runs in the first. It was 2 nothing in the second inning when the Cardinals put Juan Yepes and Nolan Gorman on base for Hannes Wagner. <laughs> Swing, fly ball. That one's not coming back. DeYoung ambushed him. It's 3-2 Cardinals. Uh, Chip Carey with the call on Valley Sports. What do you think of my guy? Oh, my gosh. He's no longer the butt of the joke. <laughs> I, I, I sent that to you guys in the group chat, and I didn't get any laughs, so I was ready for it this morning because I needed that laugh because his brother's name is Butt. Right. Hannes' brother's name. Butts yes. Was butt. Butts and, Wagner. Uh, yeah, I, I did have an internal guffaw when you said <laughs> I just didn't respond. <laughs> I see how it is, guys. But yeah, Paul De- <laughs> Paul DeYoung is doing really, really well right now, especially when yeah. you had that top of the order in back-to-back games not performing that the way that you would like. They had the top of the order going 0-4 last night, uh, bottom of the order doing well. Paul DeYoung feels like he's a big part of that. He has eight RBI in his last two games combined. He's just looking really good. I said it I said it the other day. I got some backlash for it for giving Paul DeYoung some props. I think we're in the safe zone a little bit, right, with Paul Dion? Yeah, or when are you going to so. feel, is it the rest of the season? Or I think how, when do you think so, it will be? so scarred that, that you know, trauma – uh, comes in in many different yes. uh, ways, right? So I think the trauma, <laughs> the traumatic experiences that most of Cardinals fans have experienced with with Paul DeYoung, I think they're just kind of still waiting for the other shoe to drop. Even though this does look different, yeah. it, it has been really good consistently, you know, for consecutive games, and and so 
But I think the trauma that we have experienced as Cardinals fans, that trauma never really goes away. Understandable. Now, Spencer Steer hit a home run in the third inning, 4-3 Reds. Cards come back, Lars Newbar with an RBI double in the fifth, 4-4 game. Myers grounds out, and Will Myers to make it a 5-4 Reds lead in the fifth. But the Cardinals come back in the eighth, and no trauma here. Driven toward right center field. That ball is going to get down. It's going to tie this game. DeYoung on his way to second. Paulie D with a huge offensive night. His fourth RBI. It's a 5-5 game. Cardinals had an opportunity there in the ninth inning, but couldn't get a run across despite getting three walks. And then Cincinnati won it. The the ghost base runner in the bottom of the 10th scores to make it a 5-4 final in favor, or a 6-5 final in favor of Cincinnati. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, only four innings for the Cardinals. He allowed four earned runs on seven hits, struck out four, and walked three. Montgomery on that outing. This is a tough one. Pretty grindy. Um, hard to keep the ball in the park here, but did an okay job. Uh, thought that was a pretty good change up there, and he just was on it. So, so it, it, a grindy performance by Jordan Montgomery. Did not have his best stuff. And gets a night where the Cardinals get five runs, get some run support, but just can't stand that prosperity yeah it seems like recently we've been talking about with jordan montgomery and he was going into this game looking to snap a six game losing streak it's been a while since he's won a game but it felt like the conversation was a lot before he wasn't getting enough run support that's what we've seen with him lately and last night it really just seemed like maybe he was pressing too much or maybe doing too much where things weren't exactly panning out like what he wanted what were you saying over there CDI is like that you make a face. I'm just looking Look at, at the text no, line. No, no, no. <laughs> just looking at the, the uh, I wasn't looking, look, talking about you. I was looking at the schedule and the losses, and it's intriguing that I think the last four losses that the Cardinals have had, they haven't lost many games mm-hmm. recently, but the last four losses have been all with Kisner behind the plate. Interesting. Hmm. So hmm. Intriguing, if I'm doing very, that right. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, it, it just it seemed like he was maybe like pressing a little bit too much last mm-hmm. night, um, but you know it, at the same time too you did have um, the Cardinals kind of leave runners in scoring position again, so it wasn't like he got the full run support that you've seen a, a lately with the Cardinals, especially coming off that huge series with the Dodgers. It felt like in general they just fell flat, and right. that that was. All over, that was an all-over issue. And you get it because of the emotion that was expended against Milwaukee and the Dodgers. And you're going to lose games at times, and the Cardinals lost last night. In extra inning 6-5, they'll send Adam Wainwright to the mound tonight against Graham Ashcraft of Cincinnati. And you can see that game on Bally Sports. Hockey last night, the Panthers take a 3-0 lead over the Hurricanes. A 1-0 victory. Sam Reinhart with the girl midway through the second period, according to our rundown. Uh, (laughs) Hurricanes lose their third straight game by just one goal. This time to a Sam Reinhart girl girl, midway midway through through the the second. second. Yeah. That Sam Reinhardt girl is yeah, she's pretty tough. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. tough. Yeah. My favorite part is when I get it right early in the second. We, we can't hear you. Yeah. Yeah. No oh, yeah. Why can't we hear you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. now, now, you couldn't hear me at all. No. 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 There's something now we, going on here. Now we can. And the Nuggets over the Lakers, 113-111. And uh, on a serious note, our condolences to the family and so many good friends of the Hall of Fame baseball writer Rick Hummel, who covered uh, numerous sports for the Post-Dispatch for 51 years and was the beat writer for the Cardinals for most of that time. He was the beat writer for the Spirits of St. Louis back wow. in the mid-70s wow. and had some great stories. He covered a lot of NCAA basketball, including the great Bill Walton game here in the in the championship at the arena of the 20s. 
21 of 22 when Walton scored 44. And a, a great baseball man and had great relationships and great respect from everybody that he covered. And that goes all the way back to Red Shane Deanst and Vern Rapp and Ken Boyer and uh, obviously Whitey Herzog, Joe Torre, Tony Larusa, uh, and Mike Matheny and uh, Mike Schilt and now Ali Marmol. He had great relationships with all of those people. He was able to ask the tough question in a cordial manner and maintain the respect of the people that he was covering. And one of the things about Rick Hummel, who was as nice a guy as you'll ever meet, it, it, from my perspective, I always felt like, uh, Brooke and Carrie, if, if I said something and then relayed it to Rick Hummel and he agreed, I felt validated because mm-hmm. he knew winning baseball and he knew what was going on, good or bad. And so uh, it's a great loss at the age of 77, but he had a great life. And I was telling you guys, uh, because he had just retired at the end of last season, I think Rick kind of lived a, a retirement life. I don't think that there was anything he would have liked better than to cover baseball, be around baseball people, uh, travel, go to the Missouri Bar and Grill. He was the mayor of the Missouri <laughs> Bar and Grill. I, I think he lived from the time he was in his 20s until the time he passed away over the weekend, his ideal retirement. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, you, of course, have known him for so long. But, you know, even in my short time here getting to know him, he was literally so kind and so easy to talk to about anything. I mean, literally anything and always was dressed well to a T. He had his own kind of specific style. And I would always compliment him on that because everything was like matching head to toe. And he always enjoyed that, too, whenever he would notice that he had a well put together outfit. But um, he was just such a kind man and like I said you could ask him anything and you didn't feel silly he didn't make you feel silly for that Um, he was just so easy to talk to and was honest but kind at the same time and uh, such a deserving Hall of Famer and baseball with so much respect for him whether it was multiple commissioners Rob Manfred, Bud Selig uh, Bowie Kuhn uh, Bart Giamatti in his brief time all of baseball knew who Rick Hummel was, and Rick could he, he could make a call when Bud Selig was commissioner. Just make a call to Bud Selig's office and get right through. Th- that's a sort of uh, clout that th- he didn't utilize, but he had. Well, he did it a little bit, too, with some of the managers as well, where he even had, I, I know that they put out some stories, the Post-Dispatch did yesterday, where he would text Ollie, and, you know, he was kind of a traditionalist with Rick Hummel, especially, you could just tell with the way that he presented himself, and he would always kind of, you know, poke fun at Ollie. They had a good relationship, kind of poke fun at Ollie about wearing the, um, what is it, sweatshirt over his jersey. And so yesterday, Ollie didn't wear uh, the sweatshirt to honor Rick Hummel. So that was a very kind gesture. Here's here's how big of a deal Rick Hummel was. Whitey Herzog turned over the roster in 1980 in Dallas at the winter meetings. And Whitey's down there. He's in the hotel bar, and Rick shows up for the meetings. And Whitey says, where the hell you been? I got trades to make. Because he wanted to make sure that Rick was there to chronicle every single move they made. I want to give a shout-out to the Reds for what they did. I don't know yeah. if you saw that. Derek mm-hmm. Gould posted a picture. Uh, they put a rose in the press box for him last night, which is a very classy move yeah. by the Cincinnati Reds. You know, despite on-field, all the things you're battling, but you, you still remember the people that you interact with and the, the, the conversations that you have. So that, I thought that was a very classy move by yeah. them. Thank you to the to the Reds. And they honored Mike Shannon, too, yeah. as well. So that was that was very nice. Two legends. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. And we're off and running here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Next up, we've got our bird watch. 
You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. That's Dan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine coming up at the bottom of the hour. But right now it's time for our bird watch. And let's get a little bird chirp. Well, I was looking. I brought this up uh, last segment. And I, I thought this was really interesting. The, la- the Cardinals have lost four games in their last, I want to say, 14. Is that right? I think 15? they're 11 and 5. 11 and 11 5. 11 and 4. Yeah, 11 and 4. So four in their last 15. The interesting thing about that, those losses have all been from Steven Matz and Jordan Montgomery, but they also all have Andrew Kisner starting behind the plate. And we had the kerfuffle with Wilson Contreras being the DH or being the catcher, and maybe we're starting to get a clearer picture of the pitchers that were frustrated uh, with Wilson being behind the plate, and maybe it is Matz and maybe it is Montgomery. But the interesting thing is, those are the only losses that we've had over the last 15 games. Now, this could be connected. Do you have them in front of you? Do you have a, how many runs the Cardinals scored in uh, those so games? So, in that game where against the Dodgers, they scored zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the Cubs, they scored four. They lost 10 to four. Okay. Uh, last night, obviously. Last night, they, mm-hmm. they scored five. Yeah. Um, and then it was one more. Let me find it. Okay, the so Brewers, you, they scored. They lost three to two. Okay. So, it's you, you're not you, getting as much run support. And Wilson's not there. And Wilson is not there. It's there you go. So now you're you're adding a person that is not does not hit as well into the lineup. You're it's it's all tied in together, I think. And and that to me is extremely interesting. You talked about it last night. The the fact that when they took uh, Kisner out, they brought Barrera, Barrera mm-hmm. in instead of moving Wilson Contreras behind the plate. It's just when you have a guy, the purpose of the DH right is because you don't want pitchers hitting. <laughs> and, right. Exactly. And if Andrew Kisner is your nine hole hitter, he essentially is a is what a pitcher would give you yep. in that spot. So you're losing and you're losing an at bat. And if you move Contreras as DH to catcher, you lose your DH. So that's one of the problems that you have is that all of a sudden you have your pitcher hitting in a tight game yeah. if you move Contreras behind the plate to replace Kisner back there. Well, and it it seems very interesting too with Jordan Montgomery as well because I mentioned he was looking to snap that six-game losing streak going empty yesterday. The Cardinals have been shut out in three of his six losses. He has had three quality starts in those six losses as well, and that's why I was almost wondering. They were talking about it in the postgame last night too with Jim Edmonds and Alexa Dat of it felt like maybe he was possibly doing too much to overcompensate because when you don't have, have as much as that run support in your recent games mm-hmm. and you're going to remember that, right? And you're going to start to do a little bit too much where maybe it was kind of an example of because some of the pitches that were thrown, they were like right down the middle, right? I don't yeah. know if you noticed that. Like some of the pitches that were hit that he threw were right down the middle. And so you wonder if it was just maybe he was off his game a little bit. <laughs> so mine is going to be the red hot Paul DeYoung, if that's okay. Hannes Wagner. Thank okay. you. Thank you, CD. I, yes. I just want to get permission because I know that you're all in <laughs> on Paul DeYoung, but I think that we need to continue to give him a lot of credit. And also, as I mentioned earlier, to the bottom of the order as well, too, because, I, I mean, they are performing so well right now in these past two games to really help this team move forward when it comes to run support because the top of the order these past two games, I don't know if you guys have noticed, not doing too well, especially no. yesterday going 0-4, but Paul DeYoung has been a big part of the bottom of the order, doing well. He has eight RBI in his last two games. Um, 
this is interesting. Ballet Sports put up a graphic last night comparing kind of him to other National League shortstops. His average, 298, is third right now in comparison to other National League shortstops. Eight runs is tied for first. Slugging percentage is first. Hard hit rate is first. Career high in hard hit rate for him right now. So he's actually doing really well in comparison to some of the other shortstops in the National League in a shorter amount of time, too. Yeah, he's... I, Which could he work leads in both all shortstops in home runs, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty good. Even over Trey Turner. Yeah. There you go. See, our guys, <laughs> I was wait, I was waiting for Rocchio's <laughs> reaction to that yeah. one. So so <laughs> let's just say that uh, Paul DeYoung continues this hot streak. Yeah, Paul DeYoung continues this hot streak. What does that look like for next year? Pick what, up the option. And 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 what do you do with Mason Wynn? Well, if you what wanna, are you going to do? If Wynn has a great second half, you trade DeYoung because. As we've seen with the signings of Carlos Correa, who couldn't mm-hmm. pass a physical, and Trey Turner and Corey Seager, shortstops are in short supply. He's a bargain at 12. If if DeYoung does this, if DeYoung hits 285, hits 30 home runs, drives in 90, he's a bargain at $12 million. And somebody will give up a good piece of property to get Paul DeYoung on their team. Oh, and mm-hmm. by the way, he's one of the five best defensive shortstops in baseball, too. Yes. But you don't have any worry that... that- the, the concern that we always get with trades. Oh, we traded away him, and now look how well he's doing. Oh, Cardinal fans hate him. <laughs> they love him right now, <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> but they do have trauma. <laughs> they, they, wanted, they wanted to DFA him a <laughs> month ago. They did. They did. Yeah, how quickly we forget. <laughs> yeah. What a finicky, finicky, finicky world yeah. we live in. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, uh, Brooke, thank goodness Paulie D is doing what he's doing because Paulie G is one for his last 21. And yes, everybody goes through slumps, but Paul Goldschmidt is in one of those funks that Mm. every hitter goes through. And fortunately for him, it's happening in the last week of May rather than in the first week of April. And if, if there is a guy on this team that I have zero concerns about, if you say, Randy, you can only pick one out of the 26 that you have zero concerns about, the one player on this team, if he goes one for 21 or has, has a bad stretch, Paul Goldschmidt's going to be just fine. I'm not at all worried about him. I do want him hitting third every day, yeah. not second, but he is the man. And I'll tell you what, because he's been so good for the Cardinals ever since he got here, I know that people got mad when the Cardinals signed Matt Carpenter to an extension when they didn't need to. I would get, If Goldie would take a one-year extension, I would give it to him today to keep him here through the end of his career. And just keep, kind of like Wayno has with the one-year deals, just keep giving him the one-year contracts as long as he wants to be here and he's productive. Well, and I think as long as Nolan's here, that Paul would like to be Mm -hmm. here as well, too. And it it also stood out to me, if he's speaking up in those meetings like we brought up like a few weeks ago, I think that that shows how much buy-in he has in his group. And like you said, he's MVP like for a reason, the reigning MVP for a reason. So I think that he'll figure it out. I'm, I'm not too deeply concerned. It is just... Not great when the top of your order back-to-back nights doesn't perform like you would like yeah, them to. Right. A couple of things with Goldie. Number one, when he was brought in, if you remember the introductory press conference, Bill DeWitt Jr., the Cardinals chairman, called him the perfect Cardinal. And now that we've had a chance to see oh my him, God, yes. he is the perfect Cardinal, isn't he? I literally said that. Like After uh, talking to him a couple times, I'm like, where did, is there like a Cardinals wave factory that they made him at him? <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Dylan Carlson kind of also fit that yep. mold as well of just like the perfect Cardinal. Where I, I don't know how to describe it. but They, just, they eat, breathe, yeah. love baseball. When Michelle was here, we had Dylan Carlson on one time and Michelle said, what do you do when you're not playing baseball? And he said, well, 
Eight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's where you're like, what factory did you come from? Where did the Cardinals yeah, make you guys? Because yep. this is this this is like him and Paul Goldschmidt were somehow put together in a factory for the Cardinals. Yeah. Eventually, eventually got home. He got home. So the, the, that's <laughs> and one one other Goldie note is Chip Carey told me that uh, a member of the Braves organization and Chip mentioned this uh, on the air on one of the telecasts. Uh, he he stole the line, but. Somebody in the Braves organization said, this is the biggest compliment I can give Paul Goldschmidt. But as a baseball player, he's just so boring because mm. he's so consistent and he does it day after day after day. He's a metronome. There's yeah. there's no spectacular there. It's not like Tyler O'Neill, where he has a month where he has a, a 1,300 OPS and then the next month he has a, a 400 OPS. It's the same exact thing every single day for Paul Goldschmidt. And I agree with what Chip said and what that member of the Braves organization said. His numbing consistency makes him boring in the best way possible. Exactly. So, and this one, one for 21, that's not real. He'll probably go four for five tonight with a couple of dingers. And I feel like in recent in his recent career numbers, too, he's had kind of like those little slumps that he's able to break out mm-hmm. from. It's better now than in September or later or on. October. It was, October. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Last year, was that, a, yeah. he went through that towards the end of the season, yeah. and it carried over. Need a little load management yeah, there. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe there. <laughs> Carry. <laughs> Brooke, Randy, it's the opening drive, 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk more about the Cardinals, more about Rick Hummel, and more about what's coming up with Cardinals Magazine with our friend Stan McNeil of Cardinals Magazine, who joins us every other Tuesday on the opening drive. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Gary Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And every other Tuesday, we get a chance to talk about the Cardinals with Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine, who joins us on the Celebrity Line right now. Stan, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you guys? Everything's terrific here. We want to start with the sad news of Rick Hummel's passing. You spent many an evening in the Cardinal Clubhouse covering the club, as did Rick Hummel. What are your strongest memories of the commish? Oh, that's a, that was a, a sad day yesterday. Uh, but yeah, Rick and I would uh, often get to the, we'd be the first ones in the press box, you know, uh, mid-afternoon before a night game. And, uh, you know, Rick's love for college basketball. I mean, he was, he was kind of an encyclopedia. I mean, he, he would keep up with, he kept up with everything, you know. And uh, I moved here 
to St. Louis from San Diego, so I followed San Diego State some when I was there, and Rick would always ask me about the Aztecs, you know, how the Aztecs doing, like I was some expert on the Aztecs, <laughs> and he knew more than I did about them. <laughs> so, yeah, he was uh, one of a kind, no doubt about it. Well, Stan, obviously a tough loss for the Cardinals last night, but they came off a huge series against the Dodgers and then just kind of fell flat yesterday. But it seems like the Cardinals are at least trending in the right direction after kind of hitting rock bottom when they were 10 and 24. Oh, yeah. I mean, it it definitely feels like uh, the season has been turned around. But, you know, the the losses like last night, that to me is a bad loss. You know, I mean, that's a game that – they had so many chances to win, and it just uh, you know they just couldn't 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 do it you know. Uh, but the way I look at it, like I was going to ask you guys, what do you think the chances are of the Cardinals being 500 when they go to London? Hmm. Which they've got 26 hmm. games left. They're what are they eight under right now? So uh, you know, to me, last night was a big deal because if they win that game, then they need to go 16 and 10. Mm-hmm. To, to be over 500 now if they lose they lost it now they need to go 17 and 9 you know so it's uh that seems a little bit more challenging but Stan, when you look at the schedule though you've got three left against cincy you've got three against cleveland you've got the kansas city series uh you've got the pirates at pittsburgh and they've fallen off dramatically since i predicted that they would win the world series <laughs> uh, the, I, I don't think that's going to happen anymore you you go to texas where they're playing great but then you get the reds at home and the giants at home so uh, you've got a really opportunistic stretch here before you go to New York. And by the way, you go to to Washington, too, and they're awful. So the Cardinals have a great opportunity, I would say, to uh, to pl- be great before they go to London. I, I would not be surprised if they were 500 before they go to London. Yeah, I mean, the way, you know, the way they've been hitting, and uh, they're, they're hitting as well as anyone, and it, it, doesn't it just feel different? You know, even if you're losing, if you're hitting, things just feel better about it. And right now, they've got a number of guys, uh, number of guys in the lineup going. I mean, uh, Paul DeYoung, what a great story uh, he's turning out to be that this season. You know, I mean, it, and it's really starting to feel like you know this. He's back. You know, this is the guy we, we we remember from a few years ago. And if that's the case, I don't think anyone really predicted that coming into the season. So that would be a you know I think a huge boost. You get. Uh, his 25 home runs this season. Stan, I'm going to take a wild guess, just kind of follow up with what you were saying with the bad loss. Are you looking at more in particularly with the starting rotation and how you feel about that right now, where maybe you're not as comfortable, especially with that very short outing with Jordan Montgomery yesterday too? Yeah, I mean, I I think if you look at it right now, the rotation is probably trending third behind the offense and the bullpen at this point. Uh, And really, I'm not sure we we can expect a whole lot different. You know, I mean, we saw Jack had a great outing, then he doesn't have, then he has a not so great outing. You know, same with same with uh, Monty. You know, they they just haven't found that consistency yet. And uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully they will. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really counting on uh, either one of those. Anybody in the rotation going out there and putting up seven seven innings and two runs, you know, on, on a really like a four out of five start basis. I just, I don't, I don't, we haven't seen any indication that that's going to, that's going to happen. Stan, what is going on with Jordan Montgomery and Stephen Matz? Jordan Montgomery has lost six of his last eight starts and Matz hasn't won a game yet this year. Is it just them not hitting location? Is it, you know, not getting the run support when needed or is it all of those things uh, tied in together? 
You know, with Monty, I think when he's not pitching well, it's just command. You know, his command is just not not there because his stuff has been has been pretty pretty consistent this year. I think. I mean, he's you know left-hander who throws uh, you know about ninety four, ninety five. I mean, that that to me is a, an uncomfortable at bat. Uh, and Matt's, I think it's been a little bit of everything. I think some of it has been just he gets in his own way. You know, because his stuff is really good too. But uh, as we've seen all season you know he'll get ahead of guys and then he just can't put them away which to me means he's he he doesn't really trust his his best stuff enough just to kind of go with it when he gets two strikes Stan, so we met for the first time last Wednesday, uh, the same day that uh, Matthew Libertor got his first start what did you make of Matthew's first start Oh, I think. Uh, and, and I what did you see... think of me meeting me? Also, let's not let's <laughs> that's not that's get that's real. We'll that's start right. with that, that one. The, that was the most important part. We'll right? start there. That was absolutely the highlight of that day for me. <laughs> me too. The Super Bowl camp, no doubt about that. No, that was great seeing you seeing you down at the ballpark with uh, with Claves. That was that was fun. Yeah. But no, uh, I th- I think Libby's got a great a great future. You know, I mean. When you look at guys' uh, improvement from last year to this year, you have to put uh, him up there, you know, among the top Cardinals and improving. I mean, his velocity is just kind of – he's gained, what, two or three miles an hour on his fastball. And for him, that is a big deal because it just makes his curveball that much better. So, uh, I think Libby, you know, and this is a guy that – like a lot of the Cardinal young players, is kind of mature beyond his years. But uh, he's a guy that's been on a good track. I know last year was kind of up and down. But the one thing I take away from that and talking with him is he he doesn't see it that way. He saw that as just kind of a, a learning a learning experience. You know, sure he had some bad bad outings, but he looked at those the right way and uh, took you know improved from them. Sam McNeil from Cardinal Magazine. One more thing about the current Cardinals before we talk about the magazine. And you see Eric Lauer of Milwaukee joining Wade Miley and Brandon Woodruff on the IL. All three of them have shoulder issues. It's going to be hard for Milwaukee. Nobody has that much starting depth to lose 60% of your rotation to to shoulder injuries. Pittsburgh is going to be Pittsburgh. The Cubs might be a threat. The, The Reds are not that good. If the Cardinals stay healthy, this really does set up for the Cardinals not only to win the division, but to win it going away. Yeah, I mean, it's it's silly, a little silly to maybe think that when they're eight games under five hundred and mm-hmm. it's almost Memorial Day. But I think you laid it out there right on, you know. I mean, they're clearly the best uh, best team in the, the division. And, you know, and as poor as the start was, if you look at it now, except for the rotation, you know, and that's a big deal, those guys are – finding their way but if you look at just the the position players it, it's I think they're getting more out of the, the position guys than you could have hoped coming into the season because of guys like you know Paul DeYoung I mean Nolan Gorman we were kind of uh, hoping he might turn into this but we didn't know that coming into the season so uh, you know and then you look at uh, Tommy's playing well Lars has been up and down but he's looking like he's a, an everyday center fielder in the big league so there I think there's been a lot of kind of uh positive developments that maybe were lost a little bit uh, among all, amongst all the losing early on. And by the way, Stan, I went through the schedule during the course of the segment, and I have the Cardinals down for 17-9 and nine before they go to London. So I, I've got them at 500 as they go to London to take on the Cubbies. And that should put them ahead of the Cubs at the time, right? Because the Cubs there, they're right even with the Cubs at this point. So Yeah, should be great. And let's talk about the Cardinal Magazine. What do you got coming up? Well, our, our next cover will be the guy that uh, you – 
you're going to be talking about next segment. Uh, the one, every, the guy everybody's talking about, uh, Nolan Gorman. Uh, been talking to some folks close to close to him, so we'll have that story. We also uh, went with uh, behind the scenes with uh, Wayno on his uh, rehab visit to, to Springfield. So we got a, a, a cool look at cool look at that, and then also uh, a story on Mason Wynn, our hot hot prospect. In Memphis, the the shortstop, and uh, that that that's a really fun story, also. And how can people get Cardinals magazine? You can get it at the ballpark, and you can get it uh, online at cardinals.com slash publications, or you can even call 314-345-9000. Stan McNeil, always great to have you with us on the show. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Oh, so do I. Thanks for having me. Take care. Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine with us on 101 ESPN. Stan's a really great guy. He's a great guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, one of the all-time... Terrific people. Very, mm-hmm. very yeah, nice. I'm very interested in all that. Also yeah. with Nolan Gorman, too, behind the scenes with him. Yeah. We should have asked Stan, by the way, how it feels to move from a place like the climate of San Diego to a place <laughs> like <laughs> the exact same thing. My my uncle lives in San Diego, mm-hmm. and, and, and so, you know, I'm out there. My daughter lives there, too. I'm out there mm-hmm. often, and it's—you don't want to come home. No, you really just want to stay there. It's but like the, perfect weather there, it right? It is perfect. Just like here. Yeah, no, not quite. Not quite. Not, I, I, I'll send you all pictures when I go in a couple okay. weeks. Oh. No, it's not, not quite. Okay. It's a little different. you got to rub it in, aren't you? A little, a little bit. As Stan mentioned, we are going to talk about Nolan Gorman at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. But coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YO-HO. Take it or leave it coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. With Brooke and Carrie and Matthew, I'm Randy. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We saw that Tom Brady has purchased a stake in the Las Vegas Raiders, joining Mark Davis in that organization. Right now, the Raiders are saying that Brady will have no say in football operations. But take it or leave it, within five years, Brady does have a say in Raiders football operations. Take it. You have to be a complete Mm -hmm. fool not to have one of the greatest players of all time to not assist you in football. I mean, that's yep. what he did. He, he's right. one of the best to ever do it. You'd be foolish to just say, hey, yeah, just put your money here. We Don't worry about this football thing. We'll take care of that. None of y'all know more football than him. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, he's Manning has had the opportunity to do that. And they're, they're uber competitive. But I'm sure that Brady looks at Elway and what Elway was able to accomplish by getting Manning but mm-hmm. winning a Super Bowl as a, an executive, a, for, a Hall of Fame quarterback. I have to believe that Tom Brady wants to do something that Peyton Manning hasn't. Question. Did I I thought I read something the other day or I saw an article that said that he's not going to be doing Fox Sports anymore. Remember, he was going to go into broadcasting he's, and now he's not, right? The folks 
at Fox, according to what I've heard, don't believe that he is going to ever do a game for them. Now, he's got the contract, 10 years, $375 million. It's a lot of money. Good but uh, there, there is, hey. we don't know yet, but Listen. there's... There's a belief that he'll, he won't do a Fox. Randy, Brooke, Rock, I love you guys, right? Mm-hmm. I love y'all. <laughs> you wouldn't see you would see the back of my shirt oh, walking I out know, here. I know. <laughs> hey, 36.5 million. That'd be, that'd be the last. Year. Where's Carrie? Yeah. Don't worry about yeah, it. We'll see him on TV see him Sundays. On Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, right. you, you think I'm getting up at 5.30 in the morning when I got a $375 million what? contract? <laughs> Be fun, guys. <laughs> See you later. So uh, the the Lakers got swept last night. The Celtics are on the verge of being swept tonight. Take it or leave it. Jason Tatum or Anthony Davis are not on their current rosters next year. Ooh, this is a good one. I'm going to leave that. I think they both are on their current rosters next year. No, no. I don't know. It, I don't know. I think the, the guy who's going to be gone is Jalen Brown from the Celtics. He will not. That's be what I'm. I admit Jalen yes. Brown, yeah. not Jason Tatum. Yeah. Jalen Brown. Oh, Brown will be gone. Yeah, yeah. Jalen Brown. Oh, wow. oh okay. Yeah. Now hold on a minute. Yeah, Jalen Brown or or Anthony Davis. I said Jason Tatum. Yeah. Yeah, I meant Jalen Brown. Yeah, Brandon Brown will be gone. Yeah. I just don't see them moving Davis. <laughs> yeah, you you. I mean, I'll leave it. It's not enough. Like I said, LeBron fans, you guys are you guys and gals are a different type of people. Mm-hmm. When he scores forty, he's forty and he's doing it. Yep. When he doesn't win, he's forty. He needs help. Help him. Yeah. What are you doing? You sound like know. when Apollo was throwing the damn towel. The, the, the when team. Apollo was getting beat up. Yep. I know that you got to do some quick <laughs> thinking here, but who would Anthony Davis put over the top? Which team? Yeah. The Golden State Warriors. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can trade Jordan Poole for Anthony Davis today. Yeah. So the Lakers aren't get making, her done. Lakers aren't doing that one. Get her done. <laughs> Go get Kyrie Lakers, trade AD, and now we yeah. got something special, bro. Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah. We need a big fella. They can rebound and score points. He don't even have to score 30 points a game. We won't expect that from him. He doesn't have to carry Steph Curry. A little load management well, here. you we'll, can play yeah. when you need to. Yeah. Well, carry if Rudy Gobert can get four first. If he can get four for right. first from Rudy, then. That, that, that will never. Just, just yeah. like Deshaun Watson got $240 million, you will never see any. How, how crazy are the Minnesota Timberwolves? Ooh, really? Yeah. That didn't work out at all. Well, they thought they were going to get Tim Duncan and, and, and – uh, and David Robinson? Is that what they thought they were doing? Twin Towers? Two big fellas down there? Neither yeah, one yeah. of them did much. Yeah. Not great. Take it or leave it. I, the NHL playoffs have been interesting, right? They've been great. They've been very interesting. The Panthers have kind of demoralized the Canes to this point. I mean, the Canes actually did really well, especially in the final two pe- periods last night. They were able to outshoot the Panthers 25-7, to but still it was the Panthers that came away with the win. Take it or leave it, the Panthers are just going to sweep this series. I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, South Florida teams are just taking yeah. the heart out of the opposition. No yeah. question. That's they're, a good they're point. Tough. Yeah. I was showing Rock this yesterday, uh, the narrative, how it's so different. Because here it was Jason Tatum and Matthew Kachuk and their teams. And, and I was showing him mm-hmm. something about how in Florida it was Matthew Kachuk and Jimmy Butler. They yeah. were saying those two teams. And it was just the narrative in different places, how, yeah. how different it is. Those two teams are playing extremely well and really, really. And and both of them, the, the Heat were in eighth seed. What seed are the are the Panthers? Eight. I know they're they eighth seed. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. 
pretty so, pretty tough guys. Pretty, pretty darn good. Yeah. All right, Matthew, uh, not Kachuk, but Rockio, what do you got? Take it or leave it. Miami pulls a Philly and loses two championships on the same day next month. Leave it. Leave it. Now, I, I think with all due respect to whoever's coming out of the West in the NHL, I think the, the Panthers are destined to this year. I think they're, the, they're oh. better than Vegas, better than Dallas. I think they win. I'm not so sure about Miami, the Miami Heat against Denver, mm-hmm. unfortunately. I wish I could be sure that uh, Miami would win that. I'd love to see it happen, but I don't know. Panthers more likely to win than the, than the Heat? I think so, man. That, uh, that guy, that, that Jokic, Jokic is pretty, pretty, pretty darn good. <laughs> Even though he goes by Chokic every now and then. Yeah, he does. I he wish. scored we, we 53 have, in that game. They lost. What did he do at the end when he, they needed him most? I think he missed a shot. There you go. First of like, one of like eight out of 40. Uh, take it or leave it. There should have been a Gorman extension yesterday. I'm going to leave that. You people be, would be so angry right? if the Cardinals gave Gorman an extension and then he quit hitting. <laughs> <laughs> so mad. You people. Yeah. <laughs> Those people. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it's the, the, the same people that. Uh, the Cardinals better get a hitter. They better get a hitter. They better get a hitter. Then they go get the best hitter. And they gave up Alcantara for that hitter. They gave up Alcantara for that hitter. And we still haven't heard the end of it. Unbelievable. Take it or leave it. The front office lost the game last night by having Barrera on the roster. Take it. Yes. Brooke? I have not revealed that on this show yet because I I don't want to look I don't want the narrative to be that Brooke is you know just doesn't like certain guys and doesn't understand what their purpose is because you know just just a little bit about me I I like people have a purpose I I I like when you have a journey you have a purpose you have a story that you're pursuing Taylor Motter didn't exactly have a purpose for a little bit. Her, his purpose was to, you know, ride the pine. Hmm? Trace Barrera has great, been great riding that pine. For- <laughs> you know, the, I mean, somebody's got to compete for the best hair on the team, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, Ch- Trace Barrera, it's really funny because yesterday before the show even started, I literally walk in and the first thing I said Monday to Randy, why is Trace Barrera still <laughs> on this roster? <laughs> uh, and nothing against it's nothing against him, but carrying three catchers. I mean, I get that you know you have a certain amount of pitchers, blah blah blah. But it, to me, it was very confusing <laughs> blah, blah, for a blah, while, blah, blah, you know. Blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I was just very confused as to why Trace Brewer was here. And come to find out, it was because of last night. And uh, can't really exactly block well. So yeah, yeah. Well, didn't in that particular instance. Yeah, and that yes. When they really needed that him. That was to. a pretty big instance, yeah, Randy. I think so. I think so. It, I, I it all matters. Yep. It all matters. Uh-oh. You are a hater. Oh, you set me up for it, though. I am not a hater. I just, I want to know you people's the, purpose. I, you literally I did. I want to know people's DMV. purpose. Your guy. You Nobody did. saw that. There's no did. witnesses. You did, you did, you did kind of dance. It was a little dance. It was a little dance. dance, dance. Taylor Motter. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Cardinals end up with three 30 home run hitters. Okay, three, Gorman. 30. Gorman, Arenado, and Goldie. Goldie. Take it. Yeah, I'll take it too. That'd be 90 home runs. Yeah, it's more counting for you. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals have five All-Stars. Ooh. How do you get five hitters in there? Goldie, Arenado, Gorman. Contreras. Contreras, okay. He'll be the, he'll be the catcher. Okay, Cubs fans so. will vote for him. Gould, Gould actually had a, a, uh, talked about how funny it would be if he ends up being the starting NL catcher for the All-Star game after what happened. Oh, that would be funny. That would be perfect. So that's four okay, right there. Okay, so does Helsley? Oh, I mean... Edmund, Donovan. No. no. 
I think that we're done Gorman, with position players. Yeah, said, Gorman, Goldie, Arenado, Contreras. Yeah, it, no starting pitchers. No. So Helsley would be the only other possibility. I'm going to leave that. I don't think they get to five. Yeah. I'd like it, but I don't think it'll happen. Take it or leave it. The Celtics bring in Brad Beal. Leave it. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to leave it too. Although I think it would be a really interesting move on their part. Because if you don't have Brown, I think Bradley Beal, a healthy Bradley Beal would be an interesting addition. I just wonder if he can stay healthy. I I don't know what the Celtics are going to do. This is this is a this is bad what they're dealing with yeah, right it now. They just and if they come out and play the same way that they did last game, mm-hmm. whew, I don't even know how you how you look at yourselves because that was a a terrible showing mm-hmm. that they had last game. And so I don't think it matters who they bring in at that point. If you don't have any heart, if you don't have any will to fight or or go through you know all of the things you need to. I mean, you can. That, that's a culture issue. That's a team, you know, a foundational issue that they have. Here's your play, Brad Stevens, because your coach just said the other night, "It's all on me." So you bring in Brad Beal, and then you bring in Kelvin Lee as your coach. That'd be amazing. <laughs> well, uh, hey, here's the oh, <laughs> Kelvin Lee has other things to do. Oh, I know. He, he, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Who's a tougher team to take down, the Miami Heat or Vashon? You, you look at me and answer that question. No, the mm. Miami Heat. <laughs> yeah, there no we doubt. go. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next, Nolan Gorman is rolling, and he is the Cardinals' best hitting prospect since blank. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Gorman has become a guy that when he steps to the plate in a clutch situation in the late innings, you kind of expect that he's going to do something big. And this year has been a breakout year. It's amazing when you think about it that uh, Nolan Gorman is only 23 years old. He leads the National League in slugging percentage at 636. He leads the National League in OPS at 1.028. He's batting 301. He's getting on base 39% of the time, he's on base is 30, uh, 39.2. He's got 13 homers, 39 RBIs. And all of a sudden, Nolan Gorman has turned into the prospect that the Cardinals thought they drafted in the first round a few years ago. And w- for all of the talk about people like Colby Rasmus and Oscar Tavares and Jordan Walker, who was drafted, obviously, subsequent to Nolan Gorman, he is the, the Cardinals' best hitting prospect since Paul DeYoung who, uh, when he came up, obviously had the 846 OPS, hit a ton of home runs in the minors for the Cardinals. But Gorman is even better than Paul DeYoung was as a young hitter. And he's hopefully going to retain that level of excellence because he's really tough to get out right now. And you got a second-year, 23-year-old player, that's an all-star when you're leading the league in, in slugging percentage and OPS. Yeah, I, I think that, too, and a lot of people also look to, do you say that this is 
St. Louis's first homegrown power Cardinals first homegrown power hitter since Albert Pujols too, or in development, I guess is the best way to put it. You don't count DeYoung with the thirty home run season. Nah, Randy. We 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 talked about Paul DeYoung. Hannes Wagner. He's <laughs> <laughs> gonna go down as the greatest shortstop to ever play the game. Yeah. He's. <laughs> Okay, so let's okay, so let's just go with your argument, Brooke, and say Albert Pujols, who was a forty home run guy. If if that's the benchmark, and I I think forty home runs is a great benchmark for a power hitter. Yes. I would say that yes, Nolan Gorman is on pace to be the Cardinals' best developed power hitter since Albert Pujols. And obviously, we'll never know, never did know what Oscar Tavares was, and. Jordan Walker will come subsequent to Nolan Gorman. So from that time, between you brought the time you brought up Albert Pujols in 2001 and you brought up Nolan Gorman in 2022, yes, there is really no doubt that he's their best power hitter, right? Now, Colby Rasmus came up, but he wasn't considered a power hitting prospect. Dylan Carlson came up, but really was never considered to be a 40 home run guy, maybe 25 to 30. Nolan Gorman, and they told us this last year, and they told us again on opening day this year, Nolan Gorman, they expect to be a legit big-time power hitter. Yeah. What about Tyler O'Neill? I mean, he he had 34 in the yeah. season. He, he He's one of those guys that, I, I get it, often injured is the mm-hmm. issue. And if he weren't, then maybe you would be looking at Because I think that was the expectation, you know, 30-30 guy. Yeah. That was that was the expectation of him. 30 right. home runs, 30 steals, and and stellar in the outfield. Yeah. A couple of things. Number one, he was acquired in a trade. But number two, okay. I never really got the fact that they were as fired up about O'Neal as they appear to be about Gorman. No. Yeah, it seems like Gorman, you, you've had this kind of hype with him. I, you couldn't say that he was exactly an under-the-radar guy. I mean, he was one of their top prospects, and I know that he kind of went through a little bit of that slump last year. They sent him down, and you can almost wonder, too, like, okay, you had that situation with Gorman last year where they sent him down, work on a few things, and it seemingly has worked out for him this season. Do you think that that's also, not to bring up Jordan Walker, but kind of in this situation, do you think they have that same kind of pro- process of it worked with Nolan and Gorman, maybe it will work with Jordan Walker as well. It seems like they got concerned about Gorman striking out a bunch because after a quick start last year, he was striking out half the time. But he, he appeared to have the launch angle and the 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 power, the home run swing that they desire. But they just mm-hmm. want. It, it appears that they just wanted him to work on cutting down on the strikeouts and making more contact, and he's done that. Yes. I mean, Gorman has been beyond impressive. And I always, you, you talk about it a lot too. What did Mosellock say prior to the season about Gorman and what he thought that he was going to be able to do? Yeah, it's interesting. In the, at that workout before opening day, I said, you think he's a 30 home run guy? And he, he, he said, at least 35. And mm. it, it was one of those. They, they I, I think they expected him to be a 40 home run guy based upon the swing. And by the way, he's benefited from the shift. Every left-handed power hitter has yes. benefited from having no shift. And Nolan Gorman is no exception. No one sitting in short right field. Exactly. It makes life yeah. a lot easier you for those guys. Hit the daylights yeah. out of the ball right into the mm-hmm. glove of uh, an outfielder, an infielder <laughs> that's playing the outfield. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good thing for him. And hey, He's taken advantage of it, and he could be really good for a really long time. It's ironic that you mentioned that because we had a bunch of people texting in Matt Carpenter as the answer to the well, blank. I'm not a power hitter, yeah, though. Yeah, not, and, not and the power. And wasn't a, a real prospect. The Cardinals brought him up as a utility guy, mm-hmm. and he just kind of, you know, when they brought him up in 2011 and he was wearing number 19, 
he wasn't really a prospect. He he became a much better player at the major league level under Mike Matheny than he was considered to be when they brought him up. And by the way, DeYoung was the same way. Remember when Paul DeYoung came up? He was a second baseman. Mm-hmm. And we had yeah. him on the fast lane. And uh, we I asked him, what do you envision yourself as? And he said, well, the Cardinals are looking at me as a utility guy. I played a lot of third. I can play second. Now I can play short. Then all of a sudden he started hitting and they moved him exclusively to shortstop. But he's another guy. I was just joking about him earlier. He wasn't really considered a hot prospect. But, but by the time he got going at the major league level, he turned into a player. How difficult is it to find to to groom that prospect to be that power hitter to be I mean those guys are few and far between right Carrie, it's not like they're they're you know around the corner around every corner you find you have to drop dry, you have to draft those guys in the top five yeah for the Cardinals to have two to have Gorman and Walker mm-hmm. both drafted outside the top ten is ridiculous yeah. because when you look at guys like uh, Bregman drafted second overall. Kyle Tucker, I think, was drafted fifth overall. Uh, a guy like Schwarber was drafted fourth overall. He's not the the hitter that Gorman is. He hits two ten, mm-hmm. but hits a bunch of home runs. Harper was first overall. When you get big time power hitters, most of the time you have to draft those guys if they're Early. Puerto Rican or American. You have to drop draft them in the top five. So for the Cardinals to to find those guys and develop them is really unusual. And then you get. I don't know how Dodger fans live with the fact that their team traded Jordan Alvarez. Sometimes you just get lucky in a trade. Well, and you know, to your point too, with the changes that he's made since last season, since his rookie season last year when he was 22, Gorman struck out 30% of the time, and this year he's lowered his strikeout rate to about 25% of the time yeah. too. It seems like every single category he has elevated his game in, and we've been talking about this a lot, and when they come back to town, hopefully I would like to be able to talk to Nolan about this, but I'm interested in what did he specifically do this offseason? Did he work with a private instructor, or did he work with the Cardinal staff, or was it all of those things? Yeah. What, Who specifically did he work with this offseason? We'll, we'll have to get him on the show. And by the way, Kerry, you mentioned this uh, uh, yesterday, maybe, but it's important to note that in addition to the offensive improvement, he's become a serviceable, if not better than average second baseman. I don't, yeah. I don't know if he's better than average, but he's he's more than serviceable. I, I don't know. That play he made a couple of nights ago, I think it was against the Dodgers, um, going across second base onto the shortstop side and making a play and getting the runner out. That was a spectacular play, and that's not a, a, a play that is made by a, a player that's not good or, or not right. really good at their position, at fielding their position. And I think you're becoming more comfortable – and he's hitting left-handed pitching. He's doing everything that you could ask for for him uh, from him. And so I'm I'm I don't think that there should be a day where he's not in the lineup unless it's just a scheduled day off, like he had on Sunday. A hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. He's he's got to be in the lineup every day. I'm just going to quickly check his defensive runs saved for the season, and and I don't expect him to be great. But let's see if he's at least average. I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Uh, so, yeah, he, he doesn't have a great defensive run saved metric, but the bat plays. The bat it, always every day. plays. Every right? day. And so that's why you have to have him in there. Uh, we'll, we'll find that. Oh, there he is. He's 41st. He's average. Uh, he's got zero defensive run saved. So he, he is as average as can be defensively. And average is really good when you consider that he moved from third and is not a guy that had tremendous range and appears to be getting better and better. That is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. It's 8-13. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Going to talk some NHL playoffs with Panger next on 101 ESPN. 
You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Opening drive on 101 ESPN, and every Tuesday we talk some hockey with Darren Pang, who is going to do the Stanley Cup Finals. He'll be part of the TNT coverage for the the finals of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Panger, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. Yes, we've got some uh, some pretty good action. I know it's not a uh, not hockey season right now in St. Louis, but man, that, those Florida Panthers are doing something that reminds me of a team that uh, that won it back in 2019. They're, They're just so playing incredible, aren't there? Yeah, there are. Incredible hockey, relying on great goaltending, um, defense that are boxing out and uh, doing whatever it takes in front of that net to make sure the goalie can see pucks and, and then getting some timely scoring as well. And and it's it's been pretty impressive, too. I know that, you know, I mean, Matthew Kachuk and the Kachuk family, you know, know a lot of people in St. Louis. But I think for Blues fans or St. Louis fans, just to be watching the way he's playing under pressure is is uh, is is really something special for me, and he's got to be the leading Smythe Trophy, you know, candidate at this particular point. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the Canes, they're or not the Canes, excuse me, the Panthers just have like so many guys that you could kind of put in that MVP category. But as you mentioned there with Matthew Kachuk, I mean, he's playing so well. What do you think of his exit that he's had in the back-to-back overtime winners? Yeah, Brick, I, I thought he. I thought he wanted to in the four overtime game. He just, he kept pointing to the door and I, <laughs> and, and I, at first I wasn't quite sure what he was pointing to, but I think once he saw everybody celebrating on the ice, he, he didn't want to be the only one leaving. So then he jumped semi into a pile and then he said, let's go, you know, let's go. And, and then the next time around, uh, you know, now, now I, you could distinctly know what he's, what he's pointing at and what he wants to do. Let's get out of here. And how he said, uh, less than 10 minutes, with all that going on is, uh, is is actually quite something else so pretty pretty impressive that that he's always around the you know he's around the net he's around the action um when the game's on the line you know he's poking somebody in the face he's he's jabbing somebody in the back of the, the knee uh and then he's getting out of trouble and, and looking at everybody like well, what would i do um and, but yet his hands are something else like he's you know that he's worked on his the the the, the the art of taking a puck off the boards and bringing it to his feet. The, you know, we talk about Ryan O'Reilly doing all those little things all the time, but, you know, Matthew's got a different set of skills, the way he can handle the puck in, you know, in, in tight areas. And even that overtime winner in, in, in game number one was phenomenal. It was a great shot when he didn't have very much time to shoot it. So it, it's it's been good to watch. It's it's amazing when I look at it that it's a, you know, a three-game three games right now and it could be a sweep because the games have been much better than that and this could be easily a 2-1 series without any question. Panker, how frustrated are uh, the Hurricanes? I mean, you talked about it. They're down 0-3. All three games have been one goal losses and in the first game, obviously both games, the first two games, overtime losses. How frustrating is that as a team when you're just not getting enough goals or not stopping enough goals to win games? Well, it's very frustrating, as you well know. I mean, it's it's a, it's a rub of the green. It's the luck of of a bounce. It's a inside of the post or outside of the post. It's a shot that goes off the top of the goalie's mask or you know just by his ear and goes in the net. I mean, it truly is a game of inches, Carrie, and we're seeing that in this series. Um, and even to rub 
rub salt in the wound. Uh, Brooks Kepka brings the PGA Wanamaker <laughs> trophy uh, there to, to sunrise yesterday because he's a huge uh, fan of the Panthers. So that must have been one big party after that game. No doubt. Pegger, I'm really impressed by what Vegas has done. They were the, the little engine that could in their first year, and now they've become a cap team, and they've changed the, the cast of characters over the years. They've changed coaches multiple times. And, and I thought last year when they missed the playoffs, maybe it was over, but Vegas is right back there. That's a really good organization, isn't it? Well, I, I tell you what, I don't know what goes on on the, on the inside. I do know George McPhee quite well and, uh, and Kelly McCrimmon. Um, I don't know that owner very well, but uh, uh, I guess I would say that uh, he gets what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> like he doesn't care if I think they're paying three coaches still, and he doesn't care if one coach is making five million dollars on a five-year deal. If they don't feel it's going well, we're going to rip that up and move somebody else in. And when they had the chance to get Bruce Cassidy, you know they got a longtime friend of mine, but they got a, a an excellent coach. He's he certainly is a, a coach that can be tough on young players. He said that before. He's demanding. He basically wants you to go through the grind of deserving what a, what a veteran player gets. Um, and, if, and really, if you can't handle that, then you're probably going to have a tough time with Bruce. But if you get through that and you get over the finish line with Bruce, then you've got him forever. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I think he's a, I do. I think he's a great coach. He's, he's got goalies that I never thought could get them to this point. I was going to ask just, about them. You know, and I'm sure that in 2019, there were people like me that were watching the Blues that hadn't been watching them from January on that said, I mean, seriously, how can Jordan Binnington win the Stanley Cup? Well, you, you know, you got to give the, that athlete that opportunity and pressure to see where they're at. And uh, Lauren Brossois, who got hurt, um, I was quite surprised he got them that far. Aiden Hill was their, you know, their big acquisition. Um, yet he wasn't that good in the, in the preseason. Logan Thompson's their number one goalie. He's been injured all year. And Jonathan Quick is their third goaltender. So who would have thought that at the beginning and, and taken that on, on a line bet? Because there's no way I would have done that for sure. Because I still believe the best overall goalie in the playoffs left is Jake Ottinger. Um, but it, there's, there's been something about his game that he just doesn't look as comfortable as I've seen him in the past. So clearly the best goalie now is Bobrovsky. I mean, I mean, from the moment that he took over in that Boston series, game six, game seven, uh, the game, this game, the series save that he made with a second left on a breakaway against Marshan, uh, I think that was game five. It extended to six, that he wins game seven. So he's clearly the, the hottest goaltender in the playoffs right now. Panger, uh, tonight we have another good one with the Golden Knights taking on the Dallas Stars. The Stars looking to rebound after falling in that OT winner, but it seems like the Golden Knights are kind of running away with it too a little bit. But what do you think about tonight's game? Well, yeah, this, I mean, you, you can call it the series game. Um, it's its right there. I mean, I, I like what their coach Pete DeBoer said, another former coach of the, of the biggest Golden Knights. Um, um, oh. Uh, he, you know, just the way he said that he's got all the trust in the world and all the faith in the world in guys like Joe Pavelski. Like, this is where your leaders take over. I will say that I think that Robertson is finally starting to come on. And he got several, he had several really good chances in the last game. If, if, if Robertson gets the kind of chances he got, that I, I, like, I like the odds of, of the Dallas Stars extending this series because he's too good of a player and Pavelski is too good of a player for this to, to go the way it's going right now. 
Panger, that five overtime game, four overtime game, almost five. Yeah. How I, it, it, I was watching it, those guys looked like they were skating in mud. Just explain to me, as a <laughs> goaltender, I, I mean, you don't get to come off of the ice. How tiring is that for those guys and for the goalie? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, I thought uh, Wayne Gretzky did a great job of describing his era, which is some close to like my era. Uh, and and the fabrics that we wore, like he was saying that it's, you know, you have to change your socks because yeah. they're soaking wet. You know, they, they don't have the fabrics that, that they have today, you know, uh, moisture wicking socks or, you know, the, the we, we wore long underwear. It was a one piece, you know, with a, uh, with a backdoor hatch in case you got to go to the bathroom. I mean, like it's a little bit different for us to describe it uh, as compared to, you know, a Henrik Lundqvist describing it. But, um, but I, I, I didn't play an NHL double overtime game. I did. I was on the bench for one and that was even more tired because you're standing the whole time. But I, I did play in a, a junior uh, double overtime game seven. And uh, uh, the sickening feeling that I still remember to this day is we lost. Um, so uh, I think when you win, you can, you know, you can, you can dance like you're, like you're Fred Astaire out there. And, uh, but it's, you know, like I'm watching that game and, and personally, I, I broadcast the, the longest TV uh, game in history. It was uh, in what early 2000s, Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. And it was five overtimes. And I know, I know just as a broadcaster, it was tough to keep our wits about it. Steve Levy and I did that game. And then a year later we did uh, another five uh period over time and it was Anaheim and, and Dallas. And so um, you, you, you don't have, you know, enough fluids, you know, you are out of water, you are out of uh, five hour energy, you, you're out of coffee, you're out of pizza, you're out of, I remember, I remember the one, the one in Pittsburgh, it was at the old igloo and I'd happened to play golf with Mary Lemieux, who is now the owner of the Penguins at the time. And, and then after the fourth overtime, I remember going all the way around the igloo. And when you go around it, you can actually get the sweets quite easy. Not like it, not like today. And I, I went upstairs, downstairs, upstairs. I, I went inside and I, I looked at, uh, at his good friend, Pierre LaRouche. I said, lucky where's, uh, where's Mario? He says, he's back over there. I said, Mario, do you guys have anything here? Like Levy and I are starving. You guys must have sandwiches or pizza or something. And I turned around and I was talking to Pierre LaRouche and I heard this crack pop. And I think it was a line in Kugel. And he says, here, have one of these. <laughs> or, or what's it called? A, a yingling. That's what it was, a yingling. That's it. And uh, I, remember, I remember going, whoa, that looks awfully good. And I had a couple of big swigs of it. I went back to our broadcast booth and Levy said, did you get anything? I said, yeah, I got a couple of good swigs of cold beer. Let's go. That was it. So, yeah, Beautiful. it's uh, anyway, so it is, yeah, it is tiring. But it, it, the other thing is you. You know, I know as a, just as a broadcaster, you got to let your play-by-play guy make a good call. You can't get so goofy because it becomes a famous call. And so I think that's the toughest part about it, too, is just to keep your concentration for that long. And so I can imagine what it's like being a player that every mistake you make might be the mistake that ends the game. And that's not the attitude you should have. You should be having the attitude of being on your toes and, and forcing the mistake from the other team so that you win the game. But, boy, there's a cautious tale always told in those long overtimes. All right, Panger, I know all the young media members are rooting for Vegas and South Beach. Is, is, <laughs> is, 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 Darren, is Darren Pang still a Vegas South Beach Stanley Cup Finals guy? The, the, the quickest flight and the best golf. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was thinking Carolina you know, and Dallas would be better. Yeah, well, Matthew, uh, yeah, I mean, Carolina and Dallas, you know, you're right about that. So you, you can have Pine, Pine Valley versus Colonial uh, or some of the great courses. Uh, there in Dallas, or you know, or you've got the great courses in Vegas versus 
the great courses in uh, in Florida. And I know that uh, uh, one of the players on the team is a member at Adios uh, Golf Club, and I haven't played that, but he invited me, so that would be a lot of fun to be uh, to be there in, in South Florida. But as long as the weather's not too hot and um, and we don't. Yeah, we don't fade away. That's the key as well. <laughs> Pagger will be tuned in. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it, and we will talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Take care. Have a great day. You too. See you later. Darren Pang, Blues broadcaster on TNT and, of course, on Bally Sports and joins us here in the Blues booth every Tuesday morning. Coming up, we've got the fight for you, and we need a fighter. So text in 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! With the word fight, and maybe Matthew will pick you to be today's fighter here in the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy. Welcome back to the opening drive. I am Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Jeremy. Jeremy, how you doing? Good, Kerry. How about you? I am doing well. Are you ready to take on Randy? Oh, yeah. Now, is there any sport in particular that you uh, are leaning towards or hoping for? Uh, I'm good with baseball and hockey, mostly. Oh, well, good luck with that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, here we go. A LeBron James squad was swept for the third time in his career, the previous two times being in the finals. Which team swept LeBron first in the 2007 finals? Is it San San Antonio Spurs, Dallas Mavericks, or the Los Angeles Lakers? Uh, I go with the Spurs. Who was the first Cardinal shortstop to hit more than 20 home runs in a Caesar? A season. Oh, excuse me. I don't know what's going on. I saw something different in my head. Season. Okay. Let me re-ask that question because that probably threw you off a little bit. Who was the first Cardinal shortstop to hit more than 20 home runs in a season? Is it Edgar Renteria, Paul DeYoung, or Johnny Peralta? Peralta. I'm thinking of Caesar salads right now. I love a good Caesar salad. We all do. At 50 years old, who is the oldest golfer to win a major? Is it Phil Mickelson, Jack Nicholas, or Sam Snead? Uh, I guess Nicholas. Happy birthday to former St. Louis Ram and three-time Defensive Player of the Year Aaron Donald. Which high school did the Rams draft him? Which college? Uh, which college? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Which school? Yeah. It just said school, and I put high school in front of it. I need more coffee. Which school did the Rams draft him out of? Wisconsin, Pittsburgh, or Louisville? Uh, I think it's Wisconsin. Go with that one. All right, we'll double-check our scores, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Jeremy, so only one baseball, no hockey. How, how are you feeling? Yeah. Nah, pretty good, I guess. You still feel good? All right, well, that's a, that's a good feeling. We're, yeah, we're feeling good. Lose. I feel pretty good. You get a chance to take on Megamind. This is always a good day for oh, yeah. everyone. Randy, yep. how are you feeling, sir? I'm feeling good. How's it going? Doing well. Randy, we are on the line with Jeremy. Say hello. Jeremy, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. I'm doing great. How about you? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Diet Dr. Pepper on hand. Oh, yeah. All righty. Yep. It's fattening, but it's not. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, Diet Dr. Pepper might be the best doc diet soda of them all. I don't think there's any question. Yeah. I don't know that it's there's an argument. It's probably the one that tastes most like yeah. the actual drink. They do a great job. They do. And they always help me out with my golf tournament. I love the folks at Dr. Pepper Keurig. Did you know Dr. Pepper and Keurig are like one in the same? If you have a Keurig no. coffee maker? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm. So. Great, great company. They got it going. Rob Wetzel and the, the gang over at, uh, at Dr. Pepper, they're fabulous. Interesting. Learn something new every day. Yeah. All right, Randy, here we go. A LeBron okay. James squad was swept for just the third time in his career, LeBron the previous James. two times being in the finals. Which team swept LeBron first in the 2007 finals? 2007 NBA finals. Okay, so um, 2007 did the Spurs get him in 07? Um, he didn't play the Lakers when he was a member of the Cavs. And it seems like it was only the Spurs and the Lakers. Who else? I mean, um, I'll just, it wasn't Houston. Oh, was it Dallas? No, Dallas didn't when they won in 05. No. Yeah, I, I don't think it was Dallas. I'm going to go with San Antonio. Who was the first Cardinals shortstop to hit more than 20 home runs in a season? Mm. So uh, we're going old school here, maybe. I don't know if Rogers Hornsby did it. Templeton never did. I don't. Well, maybe Renteria got to 20. Because um, 30, it was Paul. Paul DeYoung had never hit, uh, was the first Cardinal shortstop to hit 30. I will, pull, it's going to be between Hornsby and Renteria for me, uh, because Maxi did not, Tempe did not, Don Kessinger did not, Vic Harris did not, uh, Khalil Green did not. Um, I will go with Edgar Renteria. At 50 year old. At 50 years old, who is the oldest golfer to win a major? Uh, it seems like it would be Phil Mickelson, right, in the um, U.S. Open a couple of years ago. Oh, hold on. No, he was 48. Who was the oldest to win one uh, at 50? It wasn't Phil because Phil wasn't eligible, I don't think, yet for the seniors tour. I think he was 48 when he won. I'll do the lifeline here. Phil Mickelson, Jack Nicklaus, or Sam Snead? I think I might go with Jack in the 1986 Masters. I'll go with Jack Nicholas. Uh, no, he was 46. Oh, um, I don't think Sam Snead did. Oh, I don't think Phil was 50, 50 yet when he did it. Uh, and Jack didn't win one after the 86 Masters. And I'm pretty sure he was 46. Okay, so I'll go Sam Snead. Happy birthday to former St. Louis Ram and three-time Defensive Player of the Year Aaron Donald. Which college did the Rams draft him out of? He was a Pitt Panther. Pittsburgh. University of Pittsburgh. We have a very surprising tie on today's fight. Two to two between Randy and Jeremy. So we're going to have to go to our tiebreaker. And the rules here, we'll read the question off. It's going to be closer to the pin for the answer. And we'll ask the question. We'll give Randy a chance to write down his answer. And then Jeremy will give his answer audibly. We'll then say what Randy Carricker wrote down. And again, whoever's closest to the pin wins the fight. Jeremy, do you understand those rules? Yes, sir. All righty then. Here we go. Randy, do you have your pen and paper ready? I do. I'm ready. Jerry Rice played 21 seasons in the NFL. 
how many different times did he reach 1,000 yards receiving? Jerry Rice played 21 seasons in the NFL. How many different seasons did he reach 1,000 yards receiving? Just one moment, Jeremy. Let's give Randy Character a chance to write this down. Mm. Randy Character has his guess. Jeremy, what is your guess, sir? I'm going to go with lucky number 13. And Randy, your guess was? I said 18. That means that we do, in fact, have an an answer. A winner of today's fight. Ring that bell. The winner and new champion of the fight. Average Joe Listener. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Congratulations, Jeremy. The answer to the tiebreaker was 14, so lucky number 13 turned out to be very lucky for you. You are the winner of today's fight. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Act like you've been there before. Let's go through those answers. A LeBron James squad was swept for just the third time in his career, the previous two times being the finals. Of course, the most recent time was the Golden State Warriors with the super team of Kevin Durant, but the first time was, in fact, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, support for Lewis H., Jahani Peralta is the first mm. Cardinal to hit over 20 home runs with 21 in the 2015 season. Edgar Renteria topped out at uh, 17, which was a, a new record after 60 years of Cardinals history, previous one being 16. At 50 years old, the oldest golfer to win a major was, in fact, Phil Mickelson two years ago mm. in the in the uh, PGA Championship. Just after turning 50, Jack Nicklaus was 46 when he won his final. Sam Snead was 42 when he won his final major. And happy birthday to former St. Louis Ram and three-time Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald, who the Rams drafted out of Pittsburgh. And then again, 21-year career, 14 different 1,000-yard receiving seasons for Jerry Rice in his illustrious career. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining the fight today. We will talk to you tomorrow. All right, sounds good. Thank you, guys. Jeremy with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, here as we talk some Cardinal baseball, Kerry knows exactly when Jordan Walker's coming back for the Cardinals. And he's going to tell you when it is. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy Carricker, the opening drive, 101 ESPN, and Jordan Walker is slowly but surely inching his way up the batting average and OPS ladder in Memphis. And mm-hmm. Kerry Davis knows exactly when Jordan Walker is coming back to the big leagues. I do. So right now he's on a three-game hitting streak. The, the the Redbirds had a day off yesterday, so I I expect that hitting streak to continue. We are. I don't know if you all have noticed, we are in need of outfield help. We have injuries to Dylan Carlson. Tyler O'Neill is expected to go on a rehab stint here, I believe, this week and, and getting back started and rolling. So you're looking at him still potentially being a week or so out. Mm-hmm. And when he does come back, you really don't know what you're going to get, right? Nope. I am looking at Jordan Walker. So initially, I did not realize that this Cardinal series versus the Cubs, it, I, it, it my brain forgot because we're not going right. We yeah, were supposed right. we to be in London, yeah. and so I thought that the London that the the Cubs series would be at home, but I forgot it was going to be in London until you reminded me. <laughs> Sorry I had that. chosen that date as the date for for one uh, Jordan Walker to return. Saturday, June twenty fourth was my initial date. Mm-hmm. 
I feel like I'm going to have to adapt it a day or two either before or after. And I don't know if you want to fly to Washington. If he's not on the trip to to uh, to London, mm-hmm. it will be June 27th versus Houston. Okay. So I'm going to go June 27th. Put an asterisk by June 24th. Because I think that he'll be prepared for uh, all of the things that he needs to do by that time and see if we can uh, get him back up here starting potentially in left field. But how about this, CD? The, the, the point to be made. June 27th versus Houston, a lot of those guys from the London trip will be dealing with jet lag and the travel. Because you only go. have one day off between yeah. the London trip and coming home against the Astros. So, so with all the outfielders that you have, you probably have some people that are not going to be overly energized. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really good call. Is yeah. the twenty seventh? The twenty seventh seems like back at home. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't think you you bring them back when when the team is on the road, unless there's an injury or something happens. But when you're at home having that series uh, versus Houston, I think that would be a good good t- day for him to come back. Brookie, on board with this. It gives him another another month in the minors. So my question is, what do you do with? So you have Dylan Carlson likely to return when Thursday? Is it this mm-hmm. week that he's returning? Yeah. And then Tyler O'Neill, I've been looking for an update on him and his progression. So what what do you envision the outfield looking like? Because you're going to still have that competition going on amongst people. Because are you are you saying that maybe Tyler O'Neill will be moved by then? Well, too? I'm saying at that point you play the people that are hitting and performing well. Yeah, um, Newt is going to be in right field. I think Dylan Carlson before his injury he was mm-hmm. he's your best outfielder, so he's going to be in center field if healthy. And then. I don't know if you can continue to roll with with Oscar Mercado uh, in the outfield at left field if if all those other positions are full. I think you go with Jordan Walker. I think he's the guy. Right now, you got infielders playing the outfield. You got Tommy Edmond playing, playing outfield. You got Brendan Donovan playing in the outfield. And so I think Jordan Walker getting his swing together, getting all of the the launch angles and not hitting the ball into the ground, uh, still having the exit velocity that that he had. Um, him coming back up at that time would be solidify that outfield, and he would be your everyday starter from that point on. And and you know Tyler O'Neill has had those opportunities. Alec Burleson has had those opportunities, and they haven't done enough with them at this point. So you don't continue to trot guys out there. If you get those opportunities, you sent Jordan down to give those guys the opportunities. Tyler O'Neill got hurt. Alec Burleson has not gotten as many at-bats, but there has to be a reason for that. I wonder if they might go, and it depends on how people are performing that day. I agree with you 100%, Kerry. But maybe you go with... Walker and right, Carlson in center, and a platoon of Newt Barr and O'Neill in left. Mm-hmm. The the lefty-righty platoon there. And give O'Neill his opportunities. And then the odd man out would be Alec Burleson, right? Yeah. But you, And then you see what Tyler O'Neill does. Because you have to, if you want to move Tyler O'Neill by the end of July, yeah. you have to enhance his market value somehow. So what you do is get him to, to slug against left-handed pitching for a while and make, make people think that he's really good. Yeah. And healthy. Yeah. That 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 helps. Yep. And then good and healthy. Yep. Healthy. The emphasis on being healthy. Right. And with Newt, and it's interesting because we talked about the Paul Goldschmidt being in a one for twenty one, and we are, we don't worry about it. No. It's funny with Newt because he's over what twenty over twenty four, and we don't look at him the same because he just doesn't have the track record. But I I feel really good about Lars Newt Bar. I don't, and I'm I'm an Eddie Neuter, so I yes. I should feel good about him, and I do. I don't have any 
qualms at all about him having a little slump here. I think that's part and parcel of what happens during a six-month baseball season, and I think that's what he's dealing with right now. Yeah. Well, and going back to Tyler O'Neill, so this season so far, uh, before he went on to the injured list, his home run late rate is the lowest of his career, and his strikeout numbers are up. He's batting 228. That was right before he got sent down with two homers and six RBI and 92 at-bats. And he's been dealing with a back injury, and that was a big thing what for... What had that? Uh, about a week back. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Just walked right into it, right? <laughs> Just don't have a back injury, or we're going to walk right into this joke. It's, it's like Dwayne and LeBron on the, on the fast break in Miami. The always hits. <laughs> oh, goodness. Just ready, ready for the dad jokes, you two. I, I get it. But um, it, it is interesting because this has been, I think everybody has been hoping that Tyler O'Neill will kind of get back to that 2021 form where he had, what was it, like 30-plus home 34, runs, 34. 34 home runs. And it just seems like maybe it's 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 not working out, and and it's tough because you know that he is talented defensively. I mean, he's a Gold Glove winner in the outfield, but at the same time, it seems like maybe a change of scenery would benefit Tyler O'Neill a lot. It's just I wish that like I it's so interesting how they approach the outfield situation going into the season and how things have not panned out at all how you expected. Well, I think it, it panned out exactly how they expect. They gave guys opportunities. Yeah. And all you can ask for as a professional athlete is an opportunity. Give me an opportunity to prove to prove to you that I deserve this spot. And once you um, either either earn it or you don't earn it, then that gives the, the front office the idea, hey, this is not the right person for us or this is the right person for us. I think Dylan Carlson was proving his worth in the outfield before he mm-hmm. sprained his ankle coming out of the batter's box. I think Newt Bar, what he said, two for 26 in his last last 26 at bats. Is that what he Yeah, had? that's what it was. Yeah, um, or two, yeah two, two for 26. For 26. Right. Even with that, he has proven up until this point that he deserves to be an everyday outfielder. Alec Burleson has not. Um, Tyler O'Neill has not stayed healthy. Juan Yepes has had opportunities. We are scared to death of him in the outfield. We just want to see him at the plate. And, you know, now you got Brendan Donovan and, and Tommy Edmond playing out there. So, I think it did exactly what they thought it would do by sending Jordan Walker down. Now all he needs to do, speaking of Jordan Walker, is continue to hit the ball, hit the ball hard, hit the ball high, hit it out in the outfield, and drive runners in, and then they'll be comfortable with bringing him back up. Yeah, well, and that's and that's what I was saying to John Mosaic when he was on with BK and Ferrario last week. He even mentioned, you know, nobody's been running away with it like they were expecting. You know, nobody's been yeah. running away with the job as expected. So I think that they were kind of hoping that this competition in the outfield would kind of breed some guys clearly rising to the top where it would be a little bit of an easier decision. But you've had so many different things go on. And Jordan Walker does deserve to be, you know, the uh, an outfielder of the future for the Cardinals. And and hopefully he does get here soon because I think the team is better with him here. And let me throw one other part. Well, I don't know if this is a part or not, but it just makes sense to me. The team that has scored the fewest runs in baseball, averaging 3.48 runs per game, is the Miami Marlins. Mm-hmm. The Miami Marlins manager, Skip Schumacher, knows Tyler O'Neill as well as anybody. Sometimes good people just don't get along. And I would not be surprised if there was some sort of a personality clash among members of the Cardinals front office or management staff and Tyler O'Neill. Mm-hmm. And they're all very nice people, but sometimes things just don't happen and people don't always get along. I wonder 
if there might be a match there, if Skip maybe has an appreciation of Tyler O'Neill and the outfield in Miami is not good, and obviously their overall offense is not good, I wonder if that could be a move that the Cardinals would find a willing taker yeah. for Tyler O'Neill. Well, and then, so who would you get in return, you think? Well, they, they still have, even though they traded Pablo Lopez, the Marlins still have starting pitching depth. They don't have that number one guy. They aren't trading you Alcantara for uh, for Tyler O'Neill. But you might be able to get a serviceable starter, and you have to wait and see what your health situation is. But at the very least, you could get a, a bullpen arm out of the Marlins for the stretch run. Every year, the Cardinals seem to, tra- well, until the last couple when they traded for starters, Mo always seems to trade for a reliever at the trade deadline. And so that that seems to be a move that would make sense. If, if I were both organizations, I would be looking at it. I would be looking, if I were the Cardinals, at moving a, a guy like O'Neill to Miami. And if I were the Marlins, I would be interested in Tyler O'Neill. He could be my start center fielder and, and be a guy that hits until he gets hurt. Somebody just texted in Alcantara, and I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, that would be nice, right? It would be great. But <laughs> I guess my question is: if you're, if you are a player that is that great, do you not get frustrated with losing? Like, at what point is enough enough? If you're, if, you, if you're Sandy Alcantara, like if you're a great pitcher, a great player, at what point is enough enough of losing? And I well. I think it depends on the effort. Like Giancarlo Stanton signed there with the, the thought that they were going to exhibit effort to try to win, and then they stopped. Kind of like Arnado with Colorado. If the organization misleads you about their desires, then I think you have a legit gripe and a reason to ask for a trade. Uh, Alcantara is, uh, he starts arbitration. Oh, no, he signed an extension. So yeah. he signed through 2026 with a team option for 2027. And if they misled him, when, when did he sign the deal? He he avoided arbitration uh, in for next year. So he signed the deal uh, this year. So uh, he, they haven't changed anything. Uh, he didn't sign under Derek Jeter. So might be that Alcantara, when he signed and avoided free agency years, which would have started in 2026, my guess would be that he had assurances that he would. They've be only had for one winning team. season yeah. since he's been, and that was yeah. the COVID year. Yeah. Like at what point? I, I'm as a I competitor. I, I money is wonderful. Yep. Money is perfect. You know, being in, on South Beach, I guarantee being you, he could Beach, not yeah. complain about any of that. But when you go to work every day. And you're going to lose or you're not going to have a chance and then no one is there to support you. At what point do you just say, man, enough is enough. Get me out of here, please. And, Kerry, they've been right on the edge twice. 2016, they had the three of the half dozen best outfielders in the National League in Ozuna, Stanton, and Yelich. Mm -hmm. And they wound up trading all of those guys the following offseason. They were right on the edge when Jose Fernandez died, too. If Jose Fernandez doesn't die in the boating accident, that Mm -hmm. team is ready to take off. And that that just, they, they just hit a wall at that point, unfortunately. But yeah, if you're Alcantara, and he lives in a Latin community now. He's comfortable there. Yeah. If you're given assurances or given the belief that you can win, you stick around for a while because they are under skip. They're better. They're a 500 team right now, and they've got a chance to make the playoffs. Yeah. And that's a tough division, though. Oh, man. That, it, like that, yeah. that is a yeah, – yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's a really tough division one, to try to win yep. games in. One time the Cardinals traded a pitcher named Ken Hill – 
good pitcher to Montreal. He was there for two years, made an all-star team, and then he got traded back here. Maybe Alcantara winds up coming back. Yeah. You never know. The Rush Hour Reset is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One one. Pope to right. That's gonna do it. Edmund the catch. Doesn't matter. Steer tag. Sprint home. Sack fly RBI. The Reds have their third walk-off win of the year. They take it in 10, 6 to 5. That call last night from the Cincinnati Reds Television Network. Paul DeYoung had a monster night. Well, Hannes Weidner had a monster (laughs) night for the Cardinals. Uh, Two for four with four ribs. He had a homer and an RBI double. And the Cardinals fall six, five, and ten innings to the Reds. Same two teams will go at it tonight. And Adam Wainwright will be on the mound against Graham Ashcraft of the Reds. And as Jim... Edmund said last night on the Bally Sports postgame show, uh, just to paraphrase, hey, act like you won the division because you don't get many opportunities. Uh, Jim, Jim Edmonds had some shots in the postgame show last night. He, yeah. He's very direct, and I appreciate that about him. Yeah, I really, I really do. I'm not even joking. I think he's very, very direct, and I like that. A game-winning sack fly so that you can get to uh, 20 and 27 on the, fee- on the, on the season. Congratulations, Good Reds. Good for them. <laughs> Randy, wins are hard to come by, clearly. For them. For everyone. Uh, Remember a couple of years, maybe it was last year, early on where uh, Joey Votto went nuts after the Reds had swept the Cardinals. And I looked it up and Joey Votto had won a season series one time (laughs) in like 17 years for the Reds against the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. So he was really fired up that they came in here. It's hard being a... I mean, other than the Buckeyes, what really, what does the, the state of Ohio really have to cheer? The Buckeyes are pretty good. Uh, other than the yeah, Buckeyes, I, I mean that's that's yeah. pretty well, much. You got the, the Joe Burrow. Okay, the that, but this is that's new. Yeah, it Randy. is. Oh, I mean long term. That's in in the long like the state of Ohio. Guardians haven't won a World Series okay. since 1948. Reds haven't won a World Series since 1990. Okay. Browns have never. Okay. Neither of the Bengals won okay. a, a championship. Mm. Right? Cleveland got one. Finally. 2016, the Cavaliers. Yep. But uh, Columbus Blue Jackets haven't done anything yet. So yeah, you're the state of Ohio. I mean, Youngstown State was really good when Jim Trestle was there. Yeah, they were. They, they had right. that yeah, going yeah. for them. Uh, basketball <laughs> last night, the uh, Lakers were eliminated by Stan Kroenke's Denver Nuggets and, and Matthew Rocchio. That's his buddy. Did you cry? Did you shed a little tear? Uh, just a small one. No, a tear of joy. I, yeah. I'm, no, you're not a tear of joy kind of guy. I'm no. I usually actually. I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm I have no. I have no problem. I'm in. I'm a crier. Okay. okay. I'm a crier. Like, but not about. But not okay. about a team that I don't have that kind of emotional. The last team that, that I cry, no, no. The last attachment. team that I would cry when they reach a championship game Blues? left in 2016. Oh. No, oh, the Rams. Cavaliers. 100. percent That's the last yeah. team that if they would have made a championship game, I would have like shed a tear. Wow. The Rams. I think I shed a tear hmm. when the Blues won. But like making the game. Okay. They left in 2016. Uh, you wouldn't for the Cardinals either. Uh, He's, I wouldn't he's shed so a tear for them. To it. We're so used to winning I've seen, here. Yeah. I've seen two. There you go. See, oh, we're yeah. spoiled. I've yeah, seen two. Spoiled. I'm just saying. It's different. <laughs> Brooke, this is one of my favorite stats. From 1901 to now, if you were born and turned 25 and a Cardinal fan, you had a World Series to experience. Every uh, Matthew's got two. If, if you turned t- from 1901 to 2023, if you turned 25, you got to experience a Cardinal World Championship. Isn't that incredible? 
I still think you should maybe shed like one tier if they yeah, win oh, one. Yeah. We're so used, used to winning. We're yeah. used to winning around here yeah. with Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, that that becomes the expectation yeah. clearly. From so the anyway, the Texas. Lakers fall one thirteen one eleven, and uh, yeah, uh, LeBron misses <laughs> an opportunity at the end. And I thought it was interesting because we we hear a lot about this, like the. The Detroit Pistons, the bad mm-hmm. boys, when they finally lost yep. to the Bulls, they wouldn't shake hands. It's it's a thing in basketball. When you win or lose a series, kind of like in the NHL, you yep. shake hands. Yep. LeBron shook hands with Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Murray, and Jokic, and then he raced yeah. to, the, to the locker room. Don't you think, especially for the most prominent player in the game, that it's kind of his responsibility as the face of the league to show the class that everybody else on the court is showing? I, I do. I think it's he's, he's very emotional, and I think that, I mean, and, and his fans clearly – from the text line today and from Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, they're emotional as well. You have to be able to understand that you're not going to win them all. Mm-hmm. You obviously aren't. He, he, he wants to win them all. He's competitive. But at the end of the day, he only shook those three players' hands because they were standing right there. Yeah, right, exactly. He, he didn't go and search them yeah. out. He shook their hands, and then he, he w- walked off because they were standing right there. But he's done that before. Like, he's he's – I think he's notorious for doing that, not – congratulating the opposing team that wins and it, it's it's really not a good look and it 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 oh he's competitive he's ultra competitive yeah okay cool no he's not that that's not what that is you can be competitive as i said with hockey those guys are literally trying to knock each other off of their skates every single opportunity they get but at the end of the series they line up and they shake each other's hands and that's something that's really important for, for sports. And, Kerry, you watched this more closely than I did, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like in the last 10 or so years of Jordan's career, whenever he got knocked out in a conference final or, or a finals, that he shook everybody's hand. Whenever whenever Michael lost a final, I don't recall him. Well, well Randy, you, you probably <laughs> wouldn't recall that because he, he never lost a final. And not an NBA final. Oh. He actually won all oh. of them. It was, it was pretty intriguing. Never mind. <laughs> You wouldn't you, you wouldn't see that. He was he, he was busy celebrating after those yeah. finals, right? Did he shake the magic hands? He was did he did he shake who? The Orlando Magic's hands? Who? The Orlando Magic's. Yeah. Did I, yeah I'm sure he did. Yeah. I'm sure he did. Yeah. yeah. When he lost in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but NBA finals, I, I was searching my memory bank and I, I don't think you would have saw him shaking anyone's hands after a loss. Okay. He, he was six and zero in those. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Mike Claiborne joins us. Of course, the late, great Rick Hummel was working with ClaibsOnline.com, and we got the word yesterday that the commish had passed away at the age of 77. We'll talk to Mike about the Cardinals and about Rick Hummel next on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke, Carrie, and Randy, and joining us on our next edition of the 101 on Sports, you'll see it on Fox 2, will be Mike Claiborne of Claibs Online. Of course, you hear Mike on Cardinal Broadcasts, and you hear him every Tuesday here on 101 ESPN, one of our best friends and one of our favorite guests every single week. Michael, good morning. Good morning. 
How are you? Everything's good. You you gave me the call yesterday that uh, our our mutual friend and the Hall of Famer, the longtime writer for the Post Dispatch, Rick Hummel, had passed away. And Mike, there, there are so many great things to say about Rick Hummel. But one of the things that I, I wasn't aware of until the last four or five years is that he was the beat writer for the Spirits of St. Louis for the Post Dispatch. What an experience that must have been. You know what? He might have a better book than any of the ones that have ever been written about the ABA. <laughs> right. because remember, he was a young guy, his, one of his first beats, and uh, that was a circus in its own right uh, from, from the day they got here to the day they left. So, I, you know, I talked to him about it a couple of times, but it was, it was kind of gray matter to him at that point because there was just so much going on with that team. You obviously had a great relationship getting him involved with ClavesOnline.com. What's your overarching memory of Rick Hummel? Boy, you know, kind, fair, uh, thoughtful, and and smarter than he led on to believe about a lot of things. I mean, college basketball was truly one of his true loves. And I remember, you know, he would have the basketball pool for the the tournament in, in, in spring training. And so one year I won it. And it was, it was a sizable amount of money. So I figured I'd break off something for the guy who put the whole thing together. So I gave him a tip. And, you know, in his, in his own way, he just says, I really hope you can win this next year. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> and the way he said it, you know, and then I realized, well, maybe I over-tipped him. But you know what? It was money well spent. Uh, just a wonderful person. And just, you know, I don't think the guy had an enemy. And, you know, every time he wrote something – you, you, all you can do is shrug your shoulders and say, yeah, I guess he's right. I mean, I don't recall many players. I think maybe he had an issue with John Denny. Who, John Denny had an issue with everybody. Yeah. But I don't recall many players and managers really having issues with anything he wrote or let alone said. Uh, he was just as fair as anybody you'd ever want to be around. As I mentioned, he was huge on college basketball. I think that was really his, his true love. But he, you know, covered baseball unlike anybody we've ever had in St. Louis, and we won't ever have another one like them. I mean, you think about the mold being broken for Mike Shannon and Rick Hummel all in less yeah. than a month. Uh, I mean, you know, and, and they collaborated a book together um, that Rick wrote with Mike. So I'm sure those two now are probably filling up a couple more chapters in heaven right now. Hey, Mike, let me, uh, let me give you just one other quick anecdote. In the early 2000s, the Cardinals took Rick Hummel off of the Cardinal beat, and they brought in Joe Strauss from Baltimore. And it didn't matter yeah. what Joe Strauss was. Tony and Walt were furious that the, car, the, the Post-Dispatch had taken Rick off of that beat because they had such immense respect for him. You're right. I, I remember that. And, you know, that didn't go over well with a lot of people in town. Uh, because of the fact Rick was just, he was comforting. You know you were going to get something. And, and Joe wrote differently. Joe wrote with a little bit more of an edge. Uh, but Rick found a great swim lane to continue to cover the team from a distance and columns and things of that nature and specialty stories. Uh, I, I thought his work was better uh, when, when he got off the covering it from day to day. Because, you know, remember when he was covering the team, you know, their deadlines were hard deadlines. I mean, this wasn't where you could push sin on your laptop. I mean, you had to have a hard copy of something. And, uh, you know, it really put guys under the gun. And I don't think many people today could write like that. But he was able to do it and do it in a concise, professional manner that, that I always appreciate. He was probably the first person in Post-Dispatch I would look to read every day. Uh, as I've said before, he was the first person to introduce himself to me on well, my first day at the ballpark. 
and I never forgot it. Yeah, I guess I must have looked very lost to him, so he was trying to give me some direction. But uh, he, he was a wonderful man, and I'm, I'm certainly going to miss him. And ironically, he and I talked on Friday. He wasn't feeling good. He, was, he had lost his voice. He said, hey, can we do a podcast on Monday? I said, we can do it anytime you want to. I mean, you're the commission. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to do it with them. And uh, I would truly cherish that last conversation. Claves, uh, switching to baseball a little bit, the Cardinals lost last night 6-5. to five, But Jordan Montgomery, um, again, he's lost six of his last eight starts, and the Cardinals have lost all eight of those games. What have you, you made of his performance this season? Good question. Uh, I don't think he's spotting his fastball like he once did. You know, he used to dominate throwing in on hitters, and he's leaving it out over the plate a little too much. Uh, and I'm concerned. I mean, this, it, maybe this is the Jordan Montgomery the Yankees thought they could part with uh, because he's not getting anybody out. And it's amazing how many pitches we have on this pitchers on this team that can go 100 pitches and not get out of the fifth inning. That, that's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. And, and he's one of them. And, you know, we may have another situation like that tonight you know, Adam Wainwright has not pitched well in Cincinnati throughout his career. And the way they swing the bat or start to swing the bat, this could be a problem this evening. And I think my concern is getting out of the fifth inning if I'm Adam Wainwright. Yeah, Claves, I also wanted to ask you about somebody who's been doing really well right now for the Cardinals, especially in the bottom of the order, Paul DeYoung. Eight RBI combined in the past two games for the Cardinals. It seems like DeYoung is doing really well with a revamped swing and also a revamped mindset as well. Yeah, he, he is, Brooke. And, you know, I think what it's come down to more than anything else, he's patient. You know, he's not giving away at bats. You know, there was a time when Paul DeYoung had two strikes on him. You know, it's like Little League. You know, if you had a guy who was not a good player and he had two strikes and there were two out, you go look for your glove because you knew this wasn't going to end well. In, in DeYoung's case, he's been more patient, not giving away at bats, uh, staying within his zone and not expanding his strike zone. Now, he may strike out. I'm not telling you he won't. And he may get punched out sometimes, but at least it's going to be on a pitch that he felt like he couldn't handle or couldn't drive. So I, I like what he's doing. Uh, I would just leave him at that spot in the order. Uh, I, I think that the way this team is going to be effective, they have to have balance up and down in the order. Because you know Goldschmidt and Arnado, they're going to take care of the top half. But if you can get Edmund or, or Brendan Donovan and DeYoung, that bottom third of the order, they, they just make a contribution. If they can give you four hits a night between the three of them, I think you're going to be in pretty good shape. Claves, a follow-up question that we had a segment earlier where it was a question of Nolan Gorman is the Cardinals' best hitting prospect since blank, and Randy's take was since Paul DeYoung. Um, we had some others with Albert Pujols. You could also maybe throw you know, um, Matt Carpenter in there as well, too. What do you think about him being a, the best like homegrown since who, you think? Well, I guess the, the most recent one would be Matt Carpenter. You know, Matt Carpenter was a, a doubles machine. I think he had 55 doubles in one year, and he was a homegrown guy. He was player of the year in the minors before he was called up, so I would go with him as far as the most recent. Hey, Claims, uh, Stan McNeil asked this morning if we thought that the Cardinals could, could go 17-9 and nine before the London trip and get to 500. You look at the schedule ahead, I see no reason why they can't go 17-9 and nine and get to 500. The, the question is, regardless of who you're playing, do you think the group of starting pitchers can put together a run like that? Whew! Boy, that's that's a tall order. I think they can. What we've seen with their with their with their inconsistency, 
you know, somebody's going to have to take take this thing over, and it's got to be more than Flaherty. It's got to be more than Michaelis. It's got to be somebody between Montgomery, Libertor, Matt, Wainwright. One of those guys has got to start doing something more than getting out of the fourth inning. Uh, so if you can find one of those four to go along with the other two, I think you got a shot. I really do. Uh, along with this, you can't overwork this bullpen. I mean, you know, when some of these guys come out and ollie has got to use four guys a night, that means there's four guys he can't use tomorrow in most cases. So you've got to make sure that your, your starters at least give your bullpen a chance or have one of your guys in the bullpen eat up some innings on more than one night a week. Hey, Clayton, before we let you go, tell us what you got going on today. Well, we are going to have uh, – we had lunch with Joe and myself yesterday talking about commission. Uh, Dr. Rick Lehman's got a very interesting podcast coming up. That drops on Thursday. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more baseball. Rammer and Matt Rocchio will talk about basketball. And, Kerry, thank you for not asking about the Lakers. Oh, uh, and also, <laughs> also, we have uh, daily cards every day with uh, Bob Ramsey and Joe Roger talking about the Cardinal lineup and what they think is going to happen that particular night. That's Claves Online. I was asking about what your trip today. <laughs> Oh, no, that was yesterday. It yeah. was last oh, night. Yeah, last night. Oh, Tell yeah. us about that. So uh, I was involved in this uh, documentary called After Jackie uh, that was on the History Channel, and it was nominated for a Sports Emmy Award. And uh, it, I was honored to be there to help represent uh, the production crew for the, uh, the uh, documentary. We didn't win, but Brian Gumble was the, uh, the – he got the Lifetime Achievement Award. His speech was riveting. You know, he's 74. If I look like that when I'm 74, then I won't even play the Powerball anymore. Uh, but it was a very, very nice evening of being around people that you watch from a distance. Some of them you know, but it was a nice evening. And as Jim Rockford would say, the nomination alone is, is honor enough as far as the award was concerned. But I was ready. I was ready. But uh, it, was, it wasn't our year, so I got to go out and find something else to be able to be part of a documentary about. But uh, it was a great experience. Great experience. Perfect. Michael, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. And uh, sorry of, uh, for, for all of our loss of the Commissioner Yeah, Yeah, you know, we're going to all miss him for so many different reasons. And uh, as I said, I was just blessed to know him like you, Randy, and everybody else who's been around him. I mean, we, we were the lucky ones to be able to have a person like that in our lives and have had such an impact on how we do our business. No doubt about it. Have a great day, sir. All right, you guys have a great one as well. Take care. That's our buddy Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. Next up, we'll take another look at the Cardinals with their loss last night. Plus, if you have a commish story, something that commish wrote, or you had a run-in with Rick Hummel, I've, I've got one for you, and we'll provide it for you as we roll down the stretch here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The Cardinals do lose that opener of a four-game series in Cincy last night in 10 innings, 6-5. to five. And you hate to lose games to teams that are clearly, sub- should be subservient to you and are, are lesser than you, but it's baseball. And what you tr- got to try to do is win three out of four. You, you cannot, if you're going to be a team that catches up with the, the other teams in the division, at some point over the big picture. When you play 14 games against Cincinnati, you've got to win 10 of those. And you you just hate, I hate the idea of splitting with Cincinnati. My, my 
preference would be for the Cardinals to win the next three against the Reds. Are you saying they're, what is your word that you like to say, diminutive or something like that? Dim- that was Rock's diminutive. Word. Diminutive. Yes. That was, Are you yeah, saying that, that they're that? That was for a 6-2 point guard. <laughs> yes, in the standings. In, in the talent department, yeah, the, well, the Reds are diminutive. And also, too, I thought it was very interesting what Stan said earlier in our show at 7.30 about where it was a bad loss, right? Mm-hmm. Because there was a lot of missed opportunities in that game. They were 3-for-16 with runners in scoring position, back-to-back games with the top of your order, doing really nothing to help bottom the order yes but still top of the order is top of the order for a reason and Paul Goldschmidt kind of going through this slump a little bit Nolan Gorman I don't really put him exactly in that category because he was sitting on is sitting out Sunday Mm -hmm. but um, still not able to capitalize with runners in scoring position seems to be an issue in a lot of these losses where you're just like why why is that and the interesting thing was for that homestand they hit over 400 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, and, and it, sh- it seems to be just like an issue that comes up every once in a while in these losses, too, especially. And I think this is a young team. They, they have so much energy with the f- sellout crowds at home, and then you get to Cincinnati where they have 5,000 people and the energy level isn't there. And I do believe that they expended a lot of energy in beating Milwaukee and the the Dodgers to the tune of a 5-2 and two record. But... You have to make your own energy when you get into a situation like Cincinnati that. Cincinnati needs to put up those cardboard people that they had during yeah. COVID. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> to make it fill. Yeah, fill yeah. in. You're just in certain areas where, you know, the cameras are going to pan to you. Yep. And it used to be the Cardinals would sell out all the games. They would go to Miami. They would go to Cincinnati. They would go to Pittsburgh. And because they were so good, and when Tony was around, they were so hated, people wanted to see the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. And they should now. And you could hear last night when, uh, was it Newt Bar? Uh, yeah. yeah, you can hear you the new chants. Yeah. yeah, there were as well not as many, but there were a lot of Cardinal fans that were probably on hand. as many. Yeah, if might not have more. Been. Yeah, they are not drawn well. Yeah. Apparently, people have found something else to do after their team president said, "Well, what else are you going to do?" <laughs> they found something else. Yeah, to so do. found something else They're to just do. Just waiting on the Bengals to yeah. show up in uh, in, in September. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey guys, go ahead, Brooke. I was just going to say too. Well, and also your offense—they were struck out 14 times last night. It's hard yeah. to win games when that happens. And also Jordan Montgomery too, just. Another start where it didn't pan out well for him. And we I feel like we just continue have to talk about the starting rotation not being able to get deeper into games. Quality starts. Right. I mean, just a quality, quality start, start. is all, all you for. need, really. Yeah, no doubt about it. Hey, I wanted to bring up a couple more things about Rick Hummel. <laughs> Number one, I, I am honored to be on the Cardinals Red Ribbon Committee for the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And uh, Bernie Miklas is on it, Frank Cusimano, Martin Kilcoin, Derek Gould, uh, uh, John Denton's on it now, uh, Benjamin Hockman from the Post, but, uh, and all the Cardinal Hall of Fame managers, Tori, Larusa, Herzog, and Rick Hummel was on that committee. And when we would have our meetings every January to talk about who should be on the ballot, Tori would make comments, Whitey would make comments, Larusa would make comments, but Rick Hummel's comments held as much sway with the people in that room, including ownership, as... The, the former managers, the Hall of Fame managers, that's how revered and respected Rick Hummel was among people that observe baseball and people that are in the sport. Tony and Rick Hummel could say diametrically opposed things, and people in the room would have as much respect for what Rick Hummel said as they did for what Tony LaRusso said. That's how big of an institution Rick Hummel was in our baseball community. 
That's awesome. I mean, just the the stories that I've heard about him. I, I never got to meet him personally, but I've heard nothing but great stories. And when you're in a room with the legends that you just named, and those people still are willing, they they managed the game, played the game. They're willing to listen and and really uh, take a, take advice from you and listen to your opinion. That that carries its own weight in itself. Yeah, he he really was a wonderful man and was always so kind, easily approachable to talk mm-hmm. to. And it's been great on social media to see all the tributes pouring in from former players, uh, managers, different people like that, even fans. You know, even mm-hmm. fans. I've seen a lot of people tweet out, you know, I there's not many writers that I would go up and ask for a photo with. But Rick Hummel is one that you saw over and over again. He was so approachable and easy to talk to. And uh, I'm going to repeat name too, right? The commish, yeah. the commish, the yeah. yeah. Now, you mm-hmm. don't normally get nicknames for for writers, or or that's normally set for for players and managers. But that's a that's a great nickname. And baseball commissioners called him commish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so that's pretty cool. And I, I brought this up earlier, but if you weren't t- tuned in earlier, one of my favorite stories is when Whitey Herzog took over the Cardinals in 1980. He became their general manager. He was hired as manager and then took over as general manager. And he was going to turn over the franchise, and he did. He made I think it was three monster trades in three days and something like 27 or 28 players were involved in the three wow. trades and Rick Hummel uh, Whitey's there on Sunday and Rick Hummel gets to Dallas on Sunday night walks into the hotel bar and there's Whitey and Whitey says to Rick Hummel where the hell you been I got trades to make because he wanted Rick Hummel to chronicle what was going to wow. happen and so Rick was there every step of the way knew exactly what was going to happen and again just commanded that respect, didn't demand it, just commanded it because of his presence that Whitey wanted Rick Hummel to be there to chronicle the the trades that he made when he went out and got Bruce Suter and made the trade to, uh, well, he signed to Daryl Porter and he made the trade with Milwaukee and traded fingers and uh, and Vukovic and Ted Simmons and, and got the four players back. Uh, he, he made a big trade with the Padres uh, to get Raleigh fingers in that deal. So, uh, all of that, all of that was written, all of those meetings by Rick Hummel, and it was just a remarkable, remarkable career and life for the late, great Rick Hummel, and he will be missed here in St. Louis. Indeed. Hey, we've got a big thing coming up here on June 3rd. The Fast Lane and the Rizzuto Show from 105.7 The Point are squaring off once again in a softball home run derby hosted by the O'Fallon Hoots. Join us next Saturday, June 3rd at Carshield Field in O'Fallon for the Fast Lane versus the Riz Show home run derby brought to you by Swiss Air Heating and Cooling and Complete Auto Body and Repair. There's going to be a fast pitch MLB alumni home run derby later that night featuring Andrew Jones, Mike Matheny, Scott Spezio, and Bo Hart. General admission tickets on sale now for just 15 bucks. Get all the details on this year's O'Fallon Hoots Home Run Derby now at 101ESPN.com. I am headed over to Whitmore. I've got the Painting and Decorating Foundation Golf Tournament today. So, uh, Brooke, Kerry, Matthew, can you handle rock and roll down the stretch here? Are you guys good for that? Certainly. I think you can. Yeah. I think it'll be better. Actually. As long as there's not any food takes from this one over oh, here. That's a hill to die on. That's a why, why, safe why for another day. Like that? I, think I was pointing at you oh, just so they were very <laughs> clear. Once these cameras get in, they can see that very clearly. I was pointing Matthew's at you. Matthew's hills to die on. <laughs> yeah, t- tomorrow we'll do uh, Matthew's hill to die on. We, we're, we've got a long show. I think McKernan's taking tomorrow off. Uh, he of the unlimited vacation time. <laughs> so and he's off on Friday too. But then you are out, Brooke, on Friday as well. I am. As you go to Nishville. 
Yes, I'm going back home to visit visit the parents. Actually, like the first time I've seen them in a year, so wow. it will be great. I want you to give your mom and dad a I do declare, just to see how they react, and then report back to us. I uh, do declare. Mom's not the biggest fan. She she doesn't she doesn't like me to do the southern stereotypes. Oh, great. Uh, all right, you guys will take it down the stretch. Thanks for so much for uh, being a part of the show, everybody, and uh, I will see you tomorrow with these guys. Going to take you all the way until. 10 o'clock with the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. And 101 ESPN has your chance to score a pair of tickets to see Dead and Company at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater on June 7th. Very few tickets remain for the show. You can find all of the ticket details at 101 ESPN. But right now, you can text in to 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YO-HO to win tickets to Dead and Company. If you can answer this trivia question from Matthew Rocchio. Yesterday was about Bill Walton, obviously a, a big deadhead in the NBA. There's a couple other deadheads who have come through the NBA. Okay. Uh, a coach that I just think is just one of the best, Kerry. Phil Jackson, also a, a famous fan <laughs> of the Grateful Dead. So here's the question. As a coach and a player, total, how many total NBA championships did Phil Jackson win in his career? As a player, coach, executive even, how many total championships did Phil Jackson win in his career? Texter number 50. 50. With the answer to the Rock's question, can win those tickets to Dead and Company. Uh, so we got a little rock and roll. Uh, Randy left us. He's he's gone <laughs> for this segment. In case those that don't, Dipped Brooke out. is here. Carrie is here. Matthew Rocky is here, and it's time for rock and roll. What you got, Rock? Well, last night I think the what LeBron James night? comment. Well, that was the the Nuggets. Uh, oh, this yeah. team called the Denver yeah. uh, Nuggets, I believe, yeah. is actually the correct way to okay. name them. They have a they have a center mm. who. Uh, He's pretty good. Passes the ball, apparently. Yeah, he does. Um, and they won a game yesterday by a couple points, and that means okay. they won a series by a mm. few games, yes, uh, sweeping LeBron James. Wow. And <laughs> Never saw that one coming. It only happened twice in his career. <laughs> yeah. And LeBron James had some interesting comments post-game about his future. Here was LeBron James after the game yesterday. We'll see. We'll see what happens going forward. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And... Um, just for me personally, going going forward with the game of basketball, got a lot to think about. Okay, here's my thing. What you got? You're you're telling me right now that the all-time leading scorer in NBA history, a man who is inarguably a top three player of all time, and for mm-hmm. some people they're number one, is going to retire. Yeah, is going to retire without a full season retirement tour. You're telling me he's going to leave the game after talking all this stuff about Bronny and wanting to play with him when Bronny's just a few miles down the road at USC yeah. and he's going to be one and done and coming into the NBA next year. Also, where is the 2025 NBA All-Star game, Carrie? You don't know, but you can take a pretty easy guess. LA? It's in LA. Oh. You're telling me he's not going to be there for his final All-Star game in LA when everyone knows he's retiring? Get he- out so, of here. Stop it. There's was, no way it's not happening. He's playing at least two more years. At that, least two more years. That was an emotional response after a tough loss. And sometimes when you, you – you, it's really hard to answer questions 15, 20, 30 minutes after you just lost an important game. And so it, 
sometimes you just answer it in the way you're feeling in that moment. You give him a week or two, three weeks, a month, some time away, hang out with his family, hang out with his friends. You're not going to have that response because he's going to he's going to be ready to he, he's going to be full throttle ready to come back and try to win another championship. I saw somebody pose this question on Twitter that I actually had a lot of interaction where maybe what do you think about this he takes a year off watches Bronny play and then returns the Gordie Howe if you will after obviously Bronny does one season one year Uh, I'm not not seeing that I don't think so I mean another year off isn't gonna get him less tired in the (laughs) in the Western Conference Finals I mean it's it's just the older you get man your body just Father time is undefeated. You're not gonna you're not gonna win that battle because no matter how great he has been throughout his entire career, no matter how much money we learned about him spending on taking care of his body, your body is going to get tired at some point. And we saw that in this series. He played 48 minutes last night. There's no way in hell had they have won that game, he would have been able to play another 48 minutes <laughs> on on what's today to on Wednesday. He just wouldn't have been able to do it. It's not physically possible the older you get. So, yeah, it's uh, it, it happened how it was supposed to happen. Listen, do you think I, Bronny I, I w- will be one and done? I think Bronny's going to be one and done, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think, <laughs> listen, I think he's I I think that's right a now. Whole another, that's, <laughs> a, that's a whole other conspiracy theory there. Is yeah. he overhyped and a little bit overrated? Yes. But I do want to say we're talking about a guy who's maybe being talked about like the ninth best freshman in in, in uh, college basketball next year when he should be like the 12th best. I don't I, I don't think he's being completely overrated. This isn't a guy who people are talking about uh, as a first round pick who shouldn't who should be like a mid second round pick. Yeah. It's not to that level I don't think. Randy. It might be more of a 20th to like 12th level in the draft because you know the LeBron factor. Yes, go ahead please. Randy texted us and said maybe he can play baseball for a year. <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> he, said, he said 40 days like Brady. 40 days like Brady. I, I also kind of like that. For a year. Um, I do want to point out though um, unlike when we talked about guys like uh, Chris Paul mm-hmm. uh, kind of falling apart because of their age Chris Paul wasn't playing his final game in the playoffs dropping 40-10-9. and nine. No, because Chris Paul is not a 40-10-9 and nine basketball player. <laughs> Chris Paul Even did close. what he did. When he fell apart, it was one of twelve from the field, oh yeah. of six from three. I'm just saying, and, and LeBron's not thing. done. If you here's get if you thing. get a better team around him, and more so than that, if you get him a team that he doesn't have to. What are we talking? Oh my goodness! I said that from the get go. You agreed with me just because they won, just because they beat, Uh-oh. just because they made it to the conference finals doesn't Ruh-roh. overlook the fact now that they were a team a with team. holes. We, we said they that were at the a beginning team with holes to begin the season. I know that. They were terrible. Yes. Everyone told us that they made all of these fantastic moves. They got rid of Russell Westbrook. They, were wrong. they brought in D'Angelo Russell. They got uh, Ruri Achimura. They they became a Austin Reeves played out of his mind. And so did Hachimura. He played the best that he could play. And now we go to here here are the LeBron fans. He, he didn't have enough. Well, no, he had enough. He's just an older player, man. Deal with it. No, I'm it saying you need to get a little bit more. What? To get more to get do Tim, you want. to get Tim Duncan his final championship, the Spurs had to draft better and get a Kawhi Leonard. What more do you want? You want Kawhi Le- you want uh not Kawhi, you want um Kyrie? I no, I, I we that, yeah, that was up on ESPN earlier. That's not the answer. Oh, That's not okay. the answer. I just want to know what more you want. Because you got you got a top seventy five player standing In right Davis. next to him. So what do you want? What 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 more do you want? Another one? You need you need to be you able want to, another seventy five. No, you need to be able to go more than eight deep 
it, with three guys off the bench and those three guys being Tristan Thompson, Lonnie <laughs> Walker, and, De- and, and, and D'Angelo Russell. If Rob Palenka thought Tristan Thompson was going to give them I'm, something. Exactly. That. The fact that he was playing last night let me know all, they were in desperation mode, to say the least. They, yeah, they, they, listen, LeBron's, LeBron's still amazing. He's not retiring. That's the He's bottom not. line. But what more do you want is my question for you and all of the LeBron fans out there. I want you there. to appreciate what you've gotten to watch over the last 20 years. That's I, what I want. I have. I, I've appreciated it. I appreciated Mike Moore. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> we had him for a shorter time. Oh, no, nah, I had him long enough. I was good watching him. Thank you, Rock. Thank you, Carrie. My pleasure. We will do this again tomorrow. We will. And have great fun. Randy will be returning. We will be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Until then, you got a balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax. Until tomorrow, have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.